welcome to the State of Combat. And from the voice you hear, you know this is the Silver King. Adam Silverstein on the other end of this line is the man of one million nicknames, Jack Crosby. We are here with a special edition of State of Combat previewing the 2020 WWE Royal Rumble, the first major pay-per-view of the year. We're also going to talk NXT Worlds Collide, NXT versus NXT UK, kind of the second time they're doing this Worlds Collide event, but the first time they're doing it as a standalone show like this. Certainly very excited to see what comes from that. We also will have breakdowns of Raw, SmackDown, NXT, and AEW Dynamite from the last week. Silver King, if I sound a little different today, I'm coming to you live or I guess live taped on delay from in Orlando, Florida hotel room. I'll tell you guys, this is quite different than the New Orleans, Louisiana hotel room uh, I was taping from yesterday. Uh, uh, last week, I had a fantastic view of Canal Street and the Mississippi River, one on each side. Now I'm basically looking out my window at a brick wall. So yeah, uh, not as nice of a, as a hotel, not as nice of a city. Uh, certainly the, f- the food is a lower quality as well. But Jack, I made it here from South Florida to Orlando. Uh, from my house, it's about a two and a half hour, two hour and 45 minute trip. One, one trip, zero stops. And I was thinking during the drive, what is more impressive? A three hour drive with no stops or taking all the groceries from your car into your house on a single trip? Uh, see, I'm a little biased. Probably the grocery part because it's three hour nonstop. Like that's shit. I drive into New York City a lot. And that takes like three hours tops. I'm dependent on the traffic. That's like nothing to me. But what kind of like, what's the situation driving from Connecticut to New York? Because Florida, basically anywhere well, you Pen- go. Pennsylvania are, to do, but. Well, oh, sorry, Pennsylvania. That's what I meant. Uh, um, but Florida, anywhere you go, especially when you're going north or south, you know, I, either way, on the turnpike, there's rest stops. They There are places enticing you to stop. There's fast food yeah. chains and gas and, and stuff. On 95, there's a million exits, and all of them are promoting the stuff. But you live in a relatively smaller town, uh, and I don't know what that three-hour drive – that seems – see, I think that is impressive. I think that three-hour drive where you're kind of just – and I haven't made it, of course, so you can tell me if I'm wrong, but where you're driving through basically nothing, I think that is impressive. Whereas me, they're giving me reasons to stop, and it's like, yeah, it's, it's simple, but I'm trying to force my way through it. You know, just to, you know, I don't need gas. I don't need water. I don't need coffee. I'm just going to go straight. You know what I mean? No, actually, actually it is, it's an eerie feeling driving from Scranton here into New York City because you get on Interstate 81 for just a little, maybe 20 minutes or so. But then you jump on Interstate 80, which is one of the biggest interstates in the country. And it's eerie because there is nothing for a while and you're kind of bored. But the closer you get to New York, everything starts to widen. Everything right. starts to get bigger. The traffic's, but slowly you see it. There's two lanes for about an hour and a half of your drive. Then you see three lanes. Then it's four lanes. And then all of a sudden, you see the traffic start to come off all the on-ramps. And just everyone converging into one, one goal, one mission, which is to get into the Big Apple. But to your point, no, on Interstate 80, there's there there's rest stops all over the place. Oh, You'll okay. pass one, okay. and then they'll say, oh, next next rest stop, 10 minutes. Okay. Yeah, there's a lot of them on Interstate 80. Actually, my most boring drive from Scranton is actually into Penn State. There is no more boring drive on the planet than taking Interstate 80 West 
and going to State College, Pennsylvania, because it is literally nothing until you hit a 110,000-seat stadium. It's like nothing, nothing, nothing. Oh, look at that. It's a huge stadium. For sure. I, I think um, to answer the original question posed, the which you did, uh, I think the grocery trip is always more impressive because you feel <laughs> that it, you feel that immediate sense of accomplishment. Now, it can't be a trip where like you get four things, right? It has to be where you go food shopping for like one to two weeks and you look at you open your trunk and you see what's in there. and You're like, man, there is no way I can do this in one trip, especially if you have water or like some or, or like a couple a gallon of milk or something that's weird and heavy. Right. But when you do it and when you figure it out and there's no cheating, by the way, I see people that use like grappling hooks to like, hook no. to get, like to hook together eight bags. You have to use your no. bare hands, your shoulders, your underarms, uh, and you can't squash the paper towels either. So that, that, you got to be really careful. But if you're able to accomplish that and get it done in a trip, uh, especially if there's a door in the way and there's no one helping you hold it open, that is there's a there's a feeling of pride. Yeah, done. without a doubt. Yeah, where I was just trying to think, I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. I made it in one trip, this three-hour uh, drive. And I was like, eh, you know, I, I've kind of probably done that before. But it seemed cool that I didn't have to stop for gas or for you know to, to pee or do anything like that. Um, but yeah, I think the grocery trip, for sure, is impressive. And something, Jack, that has impressed you and I uh, most weeks, and we'll get into the main event here. Obviously, I don't have the soundboard, so you're not going to hear uh, some sirens and some uh, Sasha, Brian's dog, barking for this, but what has impressed us a lot, uh, Jack, over the last few months, I should say, has been Monday Night Raw. Uh, WWE, you know, we talk about it all the time. You and I especially have really been impressed with the type of program they have given us, uh, not just building for pay-per-views, but building new characters and storylines and, and what Paul Heyman has done overall with that show has been pretty great. If I'm being honest, Monday night we had to go home uh, for Royal Rumble, at least the Raw go home. And I was not that impressed. I thought where most weeks I look at the three-hour show and I have two and a half hours of pretty great wrestling TV and maybe 30 minutes of stuff I could do without, this past Monday was just there. Uh, there were moments that were great, and we're definitely going to talk about a couple of them. But a lot of the show just felt very formulaic and somewhat boring Um not much happened during the show that got me excited specifically for the Royal Rumble. There were some interesting things that happened. We had a great match that we'll talk about. Uh, but really the biggest storyline coming out of it is something that looks like it will have zero impact on the Royal Rumble itself. Yeah. And maybe even less impact on WrestleMania. And that's Seth Rollins and Buddy Murphy now a tag team despite already having another tag team in their faction that still doesn't have a name, winning the Raw Tag Team titles from the Viking Raiders, which had a 98-day tag team title reign. You may not have realized that because they hardly defended them. Yeah. Uh, and they were probably one of the worst tag team champions that we've seen in a while because WWE kind of refused to build them up in any meaningful way. Uh, but they won the titles. Certainly, it's a feel-spot moment for me, you as well. Uh, obviously, I'm a huge Buddy Murphy fan. To see him get this opportunity with Seth Rollins is freaking awesome. The match was pretty good as well. They all worked really hard. Um, but at the end, you know, despite being happy for Buddy Murphy, Rollins now having tag team titles with six different partners, which is crazy on its own. He's reaching like edge territory. He's almost there. Chris Jericho territory also. Um, it just kind of felt strange to me. You have a tag team in that group. Okay, now they're just enforcers. They're not really a tag team. We haven't even seen them wrestle, right? Really, in a major way since they started. 
it looked like in the middle of the match they were going to go to the standard eight-man match that we all kind of expected, I would say, at the start of the show, right? Like when they brought out two more people and you had four people on one side and four on the other, you're like, okay, eight-man tag main event or co-main or whatever the case. But they didn't go that way, which was a nice swerve. They gave us the tag team title match, but they didn't give us the tag team we expected because obviously you're going to expect Rollins and Buddy Murphy to go up eventually against Samoa Joe and Kevin Owens and the Raiders and the AOP to go against each other. So they did flip that on us. So I give Heyman credit for that. That was a swerve. That was a surprise. The match was good. We got new tag champions. But didn't it feel like this could have happened on the Royal Rumble? It felt rushed. And I'm not exactly sure why WWE always feels they need to go this way, Jack. Putting the tag team titles on two single stars that, especially in these guys' case, had never even had a match together. I don't mind it. I really don't. I mean, first off, isn't it, isn't it crazy? We preached for weeks on this show when Buddy Murphy was consistently on the losing end to Aleister Black. We said, he's going to be fine. Don't worry right. about it. He's right. going to be fine. Now, we didn't expect this. Like, he was going to be thrown in, into a group with Seth Rollins and then have a tag team title slapped on him within a week. We didn't expect, but which which is great, but we didn't expect that. Um, no, I don't mind this. Because everything they've done with the build of this Rollins faction has been great so far. And the timing has been perfect. I don't mind them doing this because I do think that the Viking Raiders are going to get those titles back very soon. Yeah. And then that's going to force Rollins to have to throw in the big guns, which I talked about this weeks ago. The match to do at WrestleMania is simply straight up Viking Raiders, AOP. The big boys, one-on-one, one well, two-on-two. Two. Right. But that's it. I know you suggested like throwing the street prayer, like a multi-man match one-on-one. Just let the beefy boys go and let them have their moment. And I think that's what's going to happen. They're going to be set. The heels are going to be put in a situation where they don't have help. They're not going to be able to. And the Viking Raiders are going to get one over on them, which is fine. They're the heels and the baby, the baby faces win. And then that's going to force Seth to tell AOP, go get those titles back. And it's going to be at WrestleMania, which I like the timing because they're doing a really good job of killing time but not making it feel like they're just killing time. You know what I'm saying? So I'm with you because if they, because you know the machinations of this, right? How it's going to go. So you're going to have Rollins and Murphy probably defend the titles or at least face Owens and Joe, right? And maybe Owens and Joe win a non-title match. Then they have a title match and the Rollins faction, which by the way, WWE, it's been two weeks, like get look, three weeks, get named. <laughs> we need a name for the faction. Like it's not, there's some pretty good options here. Salvation, you know, you got a Messiah, you got disciples, like figure it out. You, you guys can do it. Um, but you know the, the machinations of this. So they're going to face the, the Owens and Joe collaboration. Probably won't drop the titles to them. Eventually, as you said, we'll drop the titles to Viking Raiders. And I do think that's really good booking and probably right. Booking the damn territory out to WrestleMania. Raiders AOP, whether profits are in that or not, doesn't really matter. So while this is doing a great job at long-term storytelling for WrestleMania, for the Raw tag team titles. I don't know what it's doing for Seth Rollins. I don't know what it's doing for Kevin Owens, who are the two linchpins in this in terms of the two biggest people that are going to get fans talking. Is it going to be just simply lead to a one-on-one match between those two guys and Joe and Murphy are kind of just there along for the ride and don't have mania matches? Maybe. You know, maybe they're in that battle royal and maybe one of them wins it. Cool. Um, But I don't know how much juice there is in an Owens- Rollins regular singles match with no title at Mania. So I do think this is great. 
to tell a story with the Raw Tag Team titles. Lord knows the Tag Team division needs stories being told on both shows. It has suffered massively despite a significant amount of talent on both brands. It's just for me, I want to know what this is going to do to elevate Rollins because he has, in this new heel role, massively improved. I saw people. I saw people that thought that promo on Monday sucked. I did not. I thought he did a very good job. You have to remember he's not the same heel he was with the with the blonde streak. That was a cackling chicken bleep, you know, heel. This is a guy still maybe a little chicken bleep, but um, you know he's he's trying to raise an army here. Uh, you know, of people following him, and I don't know if they're going to go like full Bible and go like twelve disciples behind Rollins. That would be pretty sweet. I don't think they're going to do that, but um, it, it's pretty clear that there's a direction for him. I just don't know what that end game is going to be at WrestleMania. And I think maybe we will get an idea um, once the tag team titles come off of them. But right now, they just won the title, so it's a little strange. Uh, moving on from Raw, though, Jack, we also, you know, had to see, I say had to see because it kind of brought the show down for me. The WWE champion Brock Lesnar here came out with Paul Heyman and gave that, you know, Heyman does this, and some weeks it's great, and some weeks it's monotonous. The same prediction, spoiler speech, my client's going to win the Royal Rumble, my client, there's no one that can face him or can stand up to him at WrestleMania, blah, blah, <clears throat> blah, blah, blah. And you have Ricochet come out. Now, I first of all, I never knew I wanted Brock Lesnar Ricochet. Never even crossed my mind. I want Brock Lesnar Ricochet. That would be an incredible match. We have seen what Lesnar can do with smaller guys, Styles, Bryan, etc. Um... But this segment was a piece of trash for me. I know you laughed at the end, uh, you know, with uh, what, what was the line he dropped? He kicked him in well, the, in the here, balls. Here's, he the, here's the thing. Before we get into how stupid it was overall, it will never not be funny to me. And I put it in our recap last night on CBSSports.com. I put it in all capital letters with an exclamation point. When Brock Lesnar feels the need to have to kick someone half his size in the balls and then take the microphone and say, not scared. That's hilarious scared. to me. It is hilarious to me, but everything other than that, oh, he it it got. I mean, it did get a smirk for me, right? Like Brock when he Brock when he has the mic, when they allow WWE allows Brock to do things that are not just standing there, it works. The boombox with the Money in the Bank briefcase, the Brock party stuff. Every time Lesnar gets the mic or can do something and show a little bit of personality, it works because it's so against type for him right so that was great the rest of that segment was god awful and it it had a lot to do and we praise paul Heyman all the time but it had a lot to do with his promo i don't i didn't really care about it honestly i couldn't remember a line from it if you asked me today because it just it was like all right another paul Heyman promo like same thing brock on tv not doing anything they have ricochet come out and look like ricochet i think we all believe has an insanely high ceiling but where he does not have a high ceiling is on the mic. And it is not because WWE scripts him lines. It is because he, Trevor, is not good on the mic. No, he's not. He's, he's, not. he's, he's not. terrible. So rather than have him come out and say, you know what, Brock? I'm not scared of you. Throw the mic down. Run to the ring. Missile drop kick him. Bounce Lesnar back a little bit. Lesnar escapes. He gets the mic again. See, you're scared. Lesnar comes back and kicks him. And you're done, right? Something exciting, some action, something happening. You have him cut. It, I mean, it was probably only a two-minute promo. It felt like a 20-minute promo. 
because every line he said was less and less believable. And he had no attitude behind it. There was no energy behind it. It was just, it made Ricochet, this guy who is all about kinetic energy, look like he was sapped of it uh, for absolutely no reason. It made no sense. That is bad booking. It's just that you put a guy, you're supposed to put all your guys in position to succeed. Right now, they're putting Aleister Black in position to succeed. Buddy Murphy, Andrade, Eric Rowan even. They put Ricochet Ricochet in position to fail. And he did because they literally tried to capitalize on his weakest characteristic versus his strongest, which is his, his athleticism and his excitement. So, you know, yes, I guess the payoff line was good. But it would have been so much better had the rest of that made sense, had it lasted 45 seconds to a minute, as opposed to literally it felt like the thing felt like it was a 20 minute segment. I just wanted to get out of it so bad. Um, it, it was absolutely killing me, Jack. Um, that promo was so annoying. I wanted Brock. I'm, I'm serious. I was wishing Brock would just take him and launch him into the 20th row. Yeah. That did nothing to make me want to see Ricochet beat Brock's ass. I wanted Brock to grab him and launch him into the thir- 20th row in R- Wichita. Yeah, and I'm definitely curious to see what transpires. You know, I don't think this is a match I want at Mania. But if you told me that Ricochet eliminates Brock from the Royal Rumble, like Hurricanrana over the top rope, grabs him by the neck, you know, flips him over, and they have a match at Elimination Chamber, and Brock's opponent for Mania is still to be determined, I would be totally fine with that. Give Ricochet Man. a WWE Championship match. That's well, fine. with the, with the Saudi Arabia show r- rumored or, for February, you think Brock's not working Elimination Chamber? So you know what? That, but that, that's a good point too. Have that be at that show. They I could, would love. Yeah. I would love to see a Ricochet Brock Lesnar match there. That, that's fine. So, well, I, I, as long as that's not that my point is, as long as it's not the mania match, if you want that to be an interim match on the road, I'm fine with that. The first thing that came to my mind last night, because there were rumors because WWE, they're, they're remember, we, we're, we're starting to see the reports now that WrestleMania is not in pen right now, which is weird. That's a weird thing to be this late and have the WrestleMania card not written in pen. One of the rumors was they wanted to do Ricochet Brock at the Rumble before they put Brock in the Rumble. To me, like last night was almost, and it very well could have been, a way to test people's interest in Ricochet versus Brock Lesnar, which I get. If, 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 I you mean, pulled, if you pulled away on the match and you wanted to see what the interest would be, then fine. But if that was the mission, then it failed. It, well, it failed miserably as far as a, from a build standpoint. I will give them a little bit of credit, though. The crowd was on its feet. Now, they were not making noise, which is really the indicator of like, oh, my God, we're amped up and buzzing. There wasn't that buzz in the crowd, but everyone was on their feet when they were both in the ring, like wanting to see what the hell would happen with these two, right? So I think they have the opportunity to deliver a good match, but man, Ricochet hasn't been built up strong enough to be deserving of a WWE Championship shot. He's lost almost every feud he's been in. Um, Even the IC feud when he had, did he have the title? I'm trying to even remember. No, No, Ricochet's only a U.S. champ. Okay, oh, no, U.S. He had a U.S. title, right? Yeah. Um, it was forgettable. See, like uh, last year at the Royal Rumble, Adam, not that, like because this is a like Finn Balor versus Brock Lesnar uh, from like a storyline overall perspective didn't make a lot. Like it was just like a dream match, like Finn Balor versus Brock Lesnar. But like Finn was Finn's just more believable in that well, role. They, he he is much more believable because he is a little a little bit bigger and he can speak. He, if you remember, there, that wasn't a great storyline, but he was like, look, I never got my opportunity. Yeah. And he, and he played on the 
dirt sheet what people know, which was he was slotted for an opportunity with Lesnar and never got it. So he's like, I've been owed this. I was, this was supposed to happen a year ago. And he kind of played into that. This is just basically out of left field. And you're right. It seems like what WWE, and this has happened a lot with WWE recently, they've been pushing matches back. They had that, yeah. uh, what was it, Reigns-Daniel Bryan match for SummerSlam. They're like, hey, we don't have enough build. We're going to push it. They had matches for Survivor Series. They pushed, uh, not Survivor Series, Um, some of the pay-per-views in between that they pushed. So it seems like they are, and maybe it's simply because they're like, you know what? This storyline has longer to go, and we want to give it more time. And you know what, dude? That's okay. It's Yeah, it is. It's that, fine. That's, that's, that's fine. the best possible reason to delay a match because you want to tell more story. It's not something WWE has really done a lot of. But long story short, I'm interested in the match. But, I mean, they got to do a far better job here. And if that is going to be the Mania match, if you're teasing that for Mania, uh, yeah, that's not going to work. Because no one's going to believe Ricochet is going to win that match. No. And, and I don't think they would ever book him to beat Brock Lesnar. So that's not it for me. Um, real quick before we get to the main event of Raw, the Andrade Mysterio match. I'm just going to say this. It was a great TV ladder match. It was brutal. Both Ray and Andrade took big time bumps. But man, every time Ray Mysterio was in a ladder match, botch freaking city. They had two or three botches in that match. Two that were really notable. That just took me out of it. Took me from saying, man, this is for a ladder match, like a 4.5 star ladder match on TV. Really athletic. Two really great wrestlers. The, the spots, the called spots were really freaking good. Uh, you know, DDT, I, th- I thought at one point we were going to get a sunset flip. The hanging potential hurricanrana, like those are all awesome spots. But they blew two of them. And, and Andrade almost <laughs> broke his neck. And I'm just and, like. No, the scariest one wasn't even a botch. Because when you say botch, you insinuate that a wrestler is it, attempting to execute a move and fails. Yeah. The, the scariest one wasn't even really a botch. It was Ray standing on top of the, the ladder, and he just legit slipped and fell all the way down. And Andrade had to do his best to try to catch him. He just right. legit yeah. fell. Yeah, that was just a screw up. Um, but yeah, the, the, the botches kind of took me out of it. The, the ones that were botches. Um, the mist, I don't even remember what it was, uh, where Andrade was supposed to get thrown into the ladder and, and he just basically jumped and did a flip. Um, and then the Hurricanrana that got totally screwed up. They took me out of it a little bit, but man, those guys work so hard. It's, it's, the, the it's weir- crazy. The weird thing, though, with the U.S. championship right now, and I don't want this to come off wrong at all, okay? But is it just a luchador title? Because Yo, someone be- said Adam. Be- because. Why can't uh, I, I? I don't care. Who I rarely is... interrupt you, but go ahead. Go ahead. Some I saw a joke last night. Someone said it's like this U.S. title picture is Vince trolling his best friend Donald Trump, and I legit yeah. died. I I was belly laughing. I said, "Wait a minute." I mean, I if if that's what it was, I would love that because that's funny, and you know, I think many of you from Twitter know how I feel about that I, stuff. Um, you know, with, with the person that's in the highest office in our land. Um, but I mean, it's not lost on me that the three main guys are all Mexican and they're all, and they're all great. Like, so it's, these are people who should be in this title picture, right? But also in this title picture should be Alistair Black and Buddy Murphy and EC3 if he ever comes back, like guys like that as well. So it's just strange to me that it's these three in a constant, you know, rotation. Yeah. For this title, and it's fine because we're getting great matches, and I don't care about that. I don't care. They, they could all be 
from Mars. You know, none of that matters. But it's just so apparent that you have a guy in a mask uh, and then a guy come back in a mask. And for a second, even though body type wise, it was clear, I thought it might be Cain Velasquez with the mask. But then I looked, I was like, oh, wow, he's too thin. Then I thought it was Dominic. And then it's Humberto Carrillo. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. Humberto Carrillo hasn't been there. But they, over the last few weeks, they never really even told the story of Carrillo not being there. Like, yes, Andrade heard him and took him out. But they never, like, kept referencing it. And Carrillo himself, while he's extremely talented, he's not so popular and so good and such a big name where you're going to remember that he's not there. Like, if Seth Rollins was missing for three weeks and then came back, you'd be like, oh, my God, right, that's right, Seth Rollins has been gone. Carrillo is just like, oh, yeah, that's right. So the moment wasn't as big as they wanted it to be. Um, the match wasn't as good as they wanted it to be. That had the opportunity, the potential to be a five-star segment overall. And I feel like it was kind of like three and a half. Yeah, that's probably because Carrillo got a, a pop. But he didn't get the, oh, my God, he's back, pop. He got the, oh, hey, it's Umberto. Welcome back. Right. Right? He, got, he got one of those deals, which, uh, all right, fine. But you're right. They need to, it, it, and it's nice to see in the world, and it's nice seeing it because what you have, you know, you have the legend of Rey Mysterio, you have a guy who is without a doubt a future world champion in Andrade, and then you have this young kid who's getting this massive push on the flagship show, Humberto. But you do got to start adding in a little more. I, I, I believe that if Rollins and Murphy do lose those tag titles soon, I think Murphy will be the United States champion in the blink of an eye. Yeah, Alistair Black. I think he's going to skip the mid-card, dude. I, I'm serious. Maybe. I Maybe. think he's going to just skip the mid-card altogether. I think that's the pl- the plans and, they have for him. And that's fine because the Murphy feud, despite not being for a title, is yeah. The matches were so good that it told you this guy's a main eventer. Yeah, it, I was it was it actually his wins over Murphy actually were them indirectly telling you this guy is too good for the mid-card. Right. Like this is where we're getting our point across. He's too good for this level. So he we're shooting them up, but now you got to start mixing guys in. Maybe if you know a person from NXT here or there, you call call over. I guess we call it now. Whatever you want to, yeah. Um, but yeah, let's get, we'll get through it. this. The end game here is obviously Umberto winning that title from Andrade. He's going to, and then maybe that's where you start to mix it up a little bit with some different faces. You know, I, like I I appreciate that as an opinion. I don't know that he wins the title, and maybe he does. Um, but I think Andrade has a ways to go with it. And I, I think there's a lot of challengers on that show. We've mentioned Joe and, and Owens, Murphy. Um, there's a lot of guys that you can have. They, they have the opportunity to have a really robust mid-card scene on Raw. And I would really like it, especially with Andrade as the linchpin there. And then eventually, once he does lose, then you bump him into the main event picture. But yep. you can't do that. You can't do that as long as Brock Lesnar has the title. And that is a long-term issue with WWE that we have been talking about before. <laughs> Before we move on, shout out to Selena Vega's skin-colored bodysuit. Not only that, she was awesome. I loved her at the top of the ladder, preventing Ray. She's a great character, man. And yeah, that she can wear that bodysuit. They teased it. If they they broke them up, I'm serious. I was going to lose my mind. Remember when they started teasing that? I was going to lose my mind. It It was a good tease, though. And I liked that they came back from it with them, with her helping him win the title. It worked out really nicely, but... Double two thumbs up uh, for the bodysuit. Uh, ending Raw here, Jack. We had the main event, Lashla. Uh, Lashla. You know what? They should probably call him. Yeah. That. Yeah. Do we have? Do we have to? Well, just briefly, Lashla. I said it again. Lashley. <laughs> <laughs> Lashley and Lana uh, defeating Rusev and Liv Morgan in the main event. Real quick, this is my thought. 
it was strange that for the go home show for the Royal Rumble, you had a match that had nothing to do with the Royal Rumble. That's number one. Or a go home segment, main event, last segment that had nothing to do with the Royal Rumble. That was number one. Number two, I thought Liv Morgan did a fantastic job. She looks rejuvenated. I'm excited, excited to see her. She was good in the ring. Um, everything about her said to me, this is a legitimate competitor in the women's division long term. I hope they keep building it. The match itself was fine. There's really nothing to say about this storyline other than it kind of just needs to end. And it's clear the goal for WWE is for this to end with Rusev getting a huge mountaintop win because he keeps losing to Lashley. And that's fine. The question is, though, how freaking long is this going to keep going? Because if you're telling me that they're going to do like Rusev Lashley cage match at WrestleMania, I'm out. That is so far down the line. I cannot take it. I want Liv Morgan to do her own thing. If that is, I don't know if it's not going to be, we know this, but if it was to be Liv Morgan Becky at Mania, cool, whatever. But Rusev, you gotta do something with this guy that is not Lana and Lashley related. And Jack, it is, I've not been totally against this. Some people are totally against it. Some are in the middle. Some some people freaking love this storyline. I'm in the middle, but it has to end sooner than later. I was in the middle, and now I'm falling off the edge. And we, we I, people who listen to us on a weekly basis, you and I praised this up and down to start. I mean, it had its bad moments, but even the bet, you know, then it would pick right back up the next week. Now we've gone to like we've gone too far. Where the train's off the tracks, and it's not getting back on. And it's no longer especially salacious either. It's not like no, it's just it just sucks. It's not, it, yeah, it's not like they're trying to push boundaries. It's just we're really done with this. Like it's all. It, it's almost as if. <clears throat> Like we're done with it as fans, but it's almost as if, you know, Paul Heyman and his writers, whomever he has underneath them, is like, well, we kind of are too, but we don't know what to do with Rusev after this. So we just got to keep this going, which, you know, for years now, that's boggled our minds. How do you not yeah. know what to do with this Rusev guy? Like, what how is wrong not, with you people? How do you not know what to do with Bobby Lashley? And Bobby Who, Lashley. If this, you, there's a major problem, and there's two people in W, three people in WWE where this is apparent. You have a major problem if TNA slash Impact is able to book a guy better than you can. And TNA Impact Impact booked Bobby Lashley, EC3, and Matt Hardy all far better than WWE. Well, Matt Hardy. Matt Hardy. Real quick. On him. Because he was the big topic of discussion last night coming out of Yeah, I saw people tweeting it, yeah. He's got to stop, dude. He has got to stop him. Please don't hear this, Rebbe. And his wife need to stop acting like he's some 27-year-old main event star that is just in such high demand. I went over this with BC last week. He isn't, but he, he isn't high, stop de- he is high demand, though. But, but he is How high, high demand. demand? Honestly. And he can't walk down the ramp. Any company, though, would so sign him. Up. Tell, tell me, any, any if he was a free agent, any of the companies would sign him, correct? They would. Uh, yes, they would. He's but a demand. He's not this high-end free agent like a John Moxley. No, and that's no, how. No. That, but that is how they're acting. It's like he's a forty, and his body, he, like, his, he can't walk down. The, the, it pains me to walk, watch him walk down the ramp on a weekly basis. Yet every single Monday, we're going through the charade of "oh, lost again." It's like, well, what? He, he's not John Moxley, but literally the definition. And I'm not trying to kind of get one over on you here, but the definition of being in demand is if he was a free agent. Would every company sign him? Yes. TNA and maybe even ROH might pay for him. 
because they have to do that now. You, people talk about like WWE overpaying to keep people from AEW. ROH just gave Marty Scroll, who we like Marty, and we'll talk <laughs> about him briefly later, but a, a, a apparently a WWE main eventer contract just to get just to have someone on their roster. So my point is people will pay for Matt Hardy. The, the thing with Matt Hardy is this. It's not that we want to see him wrestle. We just have seen and we got a taste of it. WWE gave us a freaking taste of it, of his creativity. We know that they could have kept doing the broken, woken Matt Hardy character had it be almost entirely vignettes that had nothing to do with wrestling that were all at the compound that included or did not include Bray Wyatt. You see what The Fiend is doing now with, you know, turning people, changing them, reverting them gimmick-wise. He literally had the, what is it, the Lake of Reincarnation. He could have been doing something similar like that. There was a long way for that character to go. But instead, WWE cut it off, put the Hardy Boys back together because they wanted the nostalgia. They wanted the tag team. Jeff did what Jeff does, obviously, and Jeff's not there for a reason. And because of that, they just didn't use Matt. They didn't say, hey, Matt, you're still healthy. We can figure out a storyline for you. They just stopped using him. So I don't mind him, you know, feeling good about himself and saying, hey, I want to be on TV. I want to be doing stuff and, and actively working because this guy, Jack, is a old school wrestler. He wants to get used. He's creative. He's the creative, like the most creative guy maybe in wrestling today, at least when you think about his career and all the gimmick incarnations he's had, he's up there. Him and Chris Jericho are, are very unique in that way. So I'm not saying he needs to be on WWE TV. I am not saying WWE screwing him, but there was potential for him. And there are ways that Paul Heyman and WWE could have utilized him, and they aren't. So if he wants to create a storm on social media yeah, and, drive, see, and, drive his, and drive his price up, is it annoying? Yes. Is it exaggerated? Yes. But he is in demand. And if he was available tomorrow, AEW would hire him to be the leader of the Dark Order. And like I told BC last week on the show, for those who listen to our segment, I'm fine with him going to AEW, and I'm fine with him being revealed as a Dark Order because that would help them significantly having a big name like Matt Hardy. Like, I'm not saying the guy's not a big name or anything. Yeah, just the name. But do not let him wrestle on a weekly basis. Right. Because, like, I, it's like a correlation. I see this guy walk down the... You can tell, like, he, his body is shot to hell. Yeah. And... Then he's complaining about, I need to work more. And I'm like, dude, you do not need to work Well, more. he just, uh, when he says work, he wants to be used. It doesn't mean in ring, right? And. No, no, no. Him and his wife has both specifically pointed out in ring issues. All right. Well, then I'm, with you, on, then I'm with you on that end. I mean, it's for him to get, for him to be on TV, to be used like a jobber is just, I don't like that period. Unless well, it also doesn't help that he's on a show of Rod that you and I have, like, it, it's. It's right. made to build young stars, Rob, right, right now. So that doesn't help him either. So I'll give him credit there. Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't fit in that. And I'm gonna get off Raw right now because we do have a lot to get to. But this whole Eric Rowan having this weird animal or object or whatever, the storyline's fine. Like they're gonna pay it off. Whether it's good or bad, it's gonna be up to them to whatever the hell it is. But like if you know this thing's rabid, why are you sticking your hand in it and <laughs> and, and getting bit every single time? Like and you and why now after never wanting to show anyone, are you wanting to show people? but they're running away from it, but you're trying to get it out. It, it, it really, it's convoluted. Um, they had something for a little while. Now I see it and I'm just like, man, why, why are you doing this? It's not going to pay off good enough. Whatever it is, it's just going to be like, Oh, okay. Like the best, the best reaction is, Oh, okay. That's kind of cool. The worst reaction is, Oh, 
And it's those are that's the extreme. It's gonna the be the ceil- latter. The ceiling. The ceiling is oh, okay. <laughs> you know, the, it's not like, oh my god, this is an incredible storyline. I can't wait for him to main event WrestleMania. It, there, there's nothing massively positive that's gonna come out of this. So Rowan, like, get your moment on TV every week, man. But the backstage stuff was far better than anything they do around ringside. Uh, the backstage shit and Mojo Raleigh flipping out, like, that was pretty cool. I thought Mojo did a good job. Yeah. And, and quick note before I say we're going to move on to SmackDown. Mojo kind of saying he's going to make the 24-7 title into something real. Might, might but, work. Might work. Love it. I, I thought the last week, and especially last night, I, I'm thinking this might be where this guy gets over the hump. Because it's one thing to say it. For them to pay it off with the Bollywood boys being there, and you're like, oh, my God, they're going to roll him up. And to have him not just not get rolled up or pinned, but to not sell it, to just stand there and be like, what the hell is this? Beat the hell out of both of them. It says to me, you know what? Maybe WWE does what they figured out with the hardcore title, which was if you make it actually matter, people will care about it, and it will be an addition to your show. So did I ever think Mojo would be the person to do that? No. But there are plenty of people on that roster. And even even a Samoa Joe or someone of his caliber to challenge for that title or backstage get mad because um, he gets bumped into or something and beat the hell out of him and grab a referee and take the title. There are ways to make this title work for even your mid carters. So I really hope they do something with it. And I hate to say it, but I'm, I'm optimistic they will. Hey, start, start it off on Raw and then have Mojo go to SmackDown, NXT. Have him tra- have him travel with that title. Yeah. Well, let's get the women's tag team titles traveling like they're supposed to first, and then <laughs> once well, that they happens- had one match in NXT. Like, what more do you want? <laughs> once that happens, we'll see about that. Uh, moving on to SmackDown, real quick, because uh, we did go a little, little bit long on Raw, but it was fresh in our minds. Uh, I loved Jack that segment of yes. Kane suckering Love Daniel uh, uh, the Fiend to the ringside area, so Daniel Bryan could beat him down. It was such, it was so well told, not just because. You had King come out, which obviously would bring The Fiend out from all the things they've done with Legends. But The Fiend recognizing that he had already taken down Kane with his picture on the wall and the eyes crossed out and kind of thinking, like, why is Kane here, you know, but then still showing up anyway because he was getting, you know, baited. Uh, And then Daniel Bryan coming out. It showed that Bryan can utilize mind games. Certainly Kane always can. And The Fiend is not impenetrable, despite the fact that I think we both believe the fiend will win uh, at the Royal rumble, but I love that segment. Uh, did you like it as much as I did? I loved it. Uh, you know, if you don't like team hell, no, I don't know what's wrong with you as a wrestling fan. Like they, Kane and Daniel Bryan are endeared to our hearts forever. And just the way they pulled one over on the fiend was incredible. And it didn't make the fiend look terrible. Yeah. It made sense. Like Kane baited him in cause he knew Bray was going to come after him. And then the shot of Kane being outside the ring, and the feed being inside, Kane just turning around and going, pretty much, gotcha. Right. And we knew Brian was going to be right there. I thought it was fantastic. It, it made Brian look great again. Didn't make the Fiend look look bad at all. I loved it. Yeah, I thought it was a, a perfect way to set the stage. Now, we'll see what happens in the Go Home show, for, show Friday, because it is weird that we have to tape a podcast before both Go Home shows for a pay-per-view. But we'll see what happens. Maybe the Fiend gets over on Brian again. Maybe it's just a back-and-forth talking segment. But... You know, they have done a really good job building this match, and I think it's getting overlooked a lot because of how exciting some of the stuff on Raw is and Lesnar and the Royal Rumble. But for a lone men's title match at the show as of right now, they're doing a fantastic job building it. So you got to give credit where it's due sometimes. And and the rest of SmackDown you may not love, as BC says, 
it may not be for everyone uh, or may or it may be for no one but they're doing a good job on that um the roman reigns robert rude tables match jack straight up i thought it was a good match i think robert rude got rejuvenated with this time off i mean he 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 doesn't look like a man who spent 30 days uh sitting at home for a wellness policy violation i'll tell you that yeah it looks like someone who uh <laughs> who went to gnc and uh you know found uh, other, f- found alternative avenues i guess is the best way to put it yeah uh, i mean don't forget like this poor guy he was screwed from the jump because vince thought he was a baby face because people sing along with his music he was brought up as a baby face after the uh, an entire heel run in nxt and it was, like th- this was literally a mistake with him from the jump of his call he's a classic heel yeah and vince thought oh they sing to his music he's a baby face and i'm sure people tried to say no 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 he's not and but no i mean good match it's it's a solid match here i love roman so i I usually never say a bad thing about him it did what it was did what it was supposed to do and and we'll talk more about roman obviously as we get to our royal rumble preview but yeah it did what it accomplished what it was supposed to do and i thought it was just a a good rough match and anytime that you put roman reigns in a position to look good which they have been doing. Uh, it's a success. SmackDown really, uh, this week for me, was one of the better SmackDowns I have seen since the draft. And that doesn't mean it was it even came close to Raw or the Raws that we've been praising week to week. But I was entertained for a full two hours. And there w- really were not many moments during the show um, where I was down. Yeah. And, and that includes... The John Morrison Biggie match, uh, John Morrison returning, having his first match back, beating Biggie, obviously with some help from the Miz. I, w- I was fine with it. I don't like to see Biggie lose one on one ever, but you want to get Morrison a big yeah. win, and and you're not going to have him beat Kofi. So because of that, it makes sense for him to beat Biggie. And then on the other side of things, and I, I mentioned this all together because these are all tag teams. We had the Usos uh, defeat the Revival, and it was a pretty decent match. But now, WWE seems to have established on SmackDown four really high-quality tag teams. The Miz and Morrison tag team, the New Day certainly, the Revival, and the Usos. And that's not even counting. Obviously, Heavy Machinery exists, and there's other tag teams on the show. But they have an opportunity, and maybe they're going to go Fatal 4-Way tag team title match at WrestleMania between these four teams. But they have an opportunity to put on a significantly great tag team long-term storyline feud with these teams whether it you know ends at mania whether it doesn't i'm very i'm more excited than i have been for a long time in that tag team scene based on these teams being there oh yeah and like you said that's just with the four and not even much i mean heavy machinery they're very busy right now and we cannot take them away from what they're doing right now we cannot do that because that to me is the greatest thing going in television my wife looked at me the other day and said, are you serious? I said, Otis and Mandy is the greatest storyline in television right now, not just wrestling. So they're busy. But when you get those guys back in, they'll be good. No, I'm excited. And people need to calm down about the revival stuff. It's a work. It's a work. Well, that's the they, thing. They, so they so, go. Go ahead. Sorry. They go on Twitter and they're doing this. And everyone goes, oh, man, AEW. Look, man. If they wouldn't put the revival complaining about the same stuff on television. If they were flying off to AEW in a couple months or something like that. It's work. So I completely agree with that. But it is getting tiring on TV yes, for them to, to continuously be saying the same thing. And they're doing it after losing matches that they could have won. They didn't get screwed. 
right? Yeah. Losing these matches. So they're straight up losing clean. And then they're saying things that we want them to say because it is a good storyline. People think they're leaving. They're going to play off yeah. that. That's fine. But either they are leaving and WWE is doing what they did with Dean Ambrose and putting people on TV and featuring them even in losses and kind of screwing and now telling a storyline that's going to help them when they change brands. Either WWE is doing that or the plan is for them to resign and they're telling the story, but we don't specifically know where it's going. Are they going to lead a hostile takeover of some sort? Uh, are they going to join King Corbin's crew officially, even though they've been helping him unofficially and make a real faction and have this faction try to take over WWE? It's a lot of just empty at loose ends, basically, is what it is. And I don't have the trust on SmackDown that they're going to close those loose ends. Whereas on Raw, I seem to trust what they are doing with all of those things. I will say, since you did bring up um, Otis and Mandy, <laughs> and we we'll, we also overlook uh, whatever it is the Monday after weekend update thing that they do on Raw. The first one I thought was horrible. This week, credit where it's due, really good. Um, maybe That's it was right. just the material. Maybe it was just the material spoke to me this time and didn't last time. But I, I I still don't love the segment. I'd rather the Street Profits be wrestlers and like cut good backstage promos. But if you're going to do this before every pay per view and they're going to be that good, I'm fine with it. I mean, the problem is there's there's no such thing as a tag team mid card in reality. You know what I mean? So if you're going to do what you're doing with the Raw tag team titles right now, where we see the directions going, which we just talked about, you have nothing to do for the street profits. So I just want to see, I just want to see Montez Ford fly. I don't think that's too much to ask. <laughs> I, 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 the guy is the guy is one of the top athletes on both on the entire Crazy. in the entire company, Crazy. all brands. He's he's. Top 10 athletes in the entire company. I want to see him kind of do his thing. Um, but the Otis and Mandy thing, Jack, uh, what I really like about it is it's the old school storyline that WWE has played out over years with Sable and Tori Wilson and every beautiful woman that has ever graced uh, the company. But unlike those, Mandy this time is not necessarily a face, but she's kind of interested, but it's against her type. Yeah. And, and she's really curious, but he's super sweet. And it doesn't seem like they are going to end this with her, you know, slapping him across the face. And I would never date someone like you and going in that direction. It seems like they're trying to tell a different story where they actually team up in some ways. And, may, and even though Sonya Deville lost, maybe it's a way to split Mandy and Sonya Deville so they have a feud with her going with Otis rather than um, basically just a, a man-woman, you know, quote-unquote monster princess storyline. And I don't mean that because, Otis, you're beautiful. Uh, but type of storyline where the woman is just a bitch, for lack of a better term. You know what I mean? Um, see, I actually think it's okay to go with Mandy eventually just turn because Mandy has always been just missing something. And I think if you drag this out long enough and you string people out long enough, everyone loves Otis so much that if she does slap him in the face, the heel heat on that woman is going to be tremendous. And it's going to add that layer to her character that we've been looking for. She's a beautiful woman, not terrible in the ring. Not going to say good, not terrible in the ring. 
the heel heat on her just because everyone, man, woman, and child, loves Otis so much. If she does cold cock him in the face and say, you fat slob this, oh, it's going to be nuclear. Well, I do think that will happen eventually because it has to eventually. You're not going to have a nice, clean breakup, right? But I just think for the interim, um, it would be nice if they kind of went in a different direction with it. It's at least, uh, you know, making me feel optimistic. By the way, uh, just while we're talking about this, and we're going to move into AEW right now, so I think this is a nice transition. Just saw a tweet of John Moxley singing Sweet Caroline, possibly intoxicated on the Jericho cruise. Oh, you haven't, you've, you've never seen that clip? No. Oh. Is that? <laughs> oh, wait, 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 wait. Oh, on the cruise. Yeah, on the cruise. So he recreate. Okay, that's a recreation yeah. of one of John Moxley's finest moments. I want to say he was working for AIW, but he in a high school gym. Look it up on YouTube. High school gym. Moxley comes out with a bush pounder <laughs> and sings sweet. There's like 50 people in the crowd with a bush pounder. And he sings Sweet Caroline. That's a recreation of one okay. of his finest moments. Oh, that rules. Yeah. So to see that. So apparently he's either doing that now on the cruise or that happened late last night and someone just posted it on social media. But uh, that is happening. The I saw a picture of that cruise, man. Yeah, the second jerk. The overhead shot of everyone on the boat yesterday. That is a lot of wrestling fans on one damn boat. There is, let me put it this way there's a lot of stuff I would do. I would go. I would drive to Jacksonville, which is a five-hour drive, to go see AEW. I almost went the day after I got back from the championship to see them at Bash of the Beach, which we're going to talk about in a minute. Um, and I probably should have in retrospect. Uh, but I will not go on a wrestling-themed cruise. I, I don't Ever. I don't. Ever. Never, ever. I wouldn't have uh, done it when I was younger, and I won't do it now. No, nah, I, pr- I probably – I mean, look, look. credit to Jericho. The dude is making bank on these. Yesterday, at, right as they set sail, he announced, hey, we're doing this again next year, February 5th. Dude is oh, making yeah. some bank. Oh, no, they're, they are doing fantastic from those. So good for – a really good idea. And, again, you always think about, like, what could have been, right? All he wanted was to use NXT talent on that cruise, right? All Cody wanted was to get a main event push in WWE. These little decisions – and by the way, I don't blame WWE in either of those. I, I bet you Triple it. H wanted to. I bet you, I uh, think Triple H may have, th- like the, the idea in his head was like, you know, Chris, it's not a, it's not a bad idea, but the old man ain't going to go for it. I can't do that. Right. Even with my talent. Insurance, I can't. Is- insurance issues, so on and so forth. <laughs> but, but the, you know, not pushing Cody as a main eventer. If I was Vince, I wouldn't have either, especially at that time allowing NXT superstars on a cruise like that, I probably wouldn't have done that either. Or even if I would have, whatever. But So you can't say the decisions were wrong, but you got to credit guys being told no, going and doing stuff anyway, and making it work. And this Jericho cruise, I mean, credit to him for this working. Uh, apparently every passenger got a little bit of the bubbly in their room. That's really cool. That's a nice touch. So they're really making it something special and good for them. But a lot happened in AEW this week, Jack. Uh, right after I think we all taped the episode uh, last week, AEW announced that they extended their TV deal through 2023, got a bump of, I think it was either 19 or 29 million of a bump uh, in terms of payment uh, year by year through 2023. And TNT or Turner is going to give them an additional hour long show um, sometime in the future, probably later this year is my guess. So we don't know what that's going to be. Uh, there's certainly the potential that they take AEW Dark and put that on TV. Honestly, what I have always wanted, what I wanted from Dynamite, 
that they didn't give me um, is I kind of want some BTE on TV. I would like a wrestling-themed TV show. So in my opinion, what they should do, and tell me if you agree or disagree, is take that additional hour-long show, which will be taped. It is not going to be live. Mix in segments that would be on BTE. Mix in some of the AE Dark, AEW Dark matches, maybe the best ones, and put together an hour-long show that airs on Thursdays or whatever, on whatever station you want, and have, this, have it be this really interesting wrestling, maybe a little bit of comedy-themed show that simultaneously promotes Dynamite and provides something completely different, which AEW, we talk about all the time, it's an alternative. It is not different. We thought it was going to be different. Give me something different. You are absolutely 100% correct. The key with this is this second show has to be different from Dynamite. You can't make the mistake WWE did for how many years of, yeah, one's named Raw, one's made, named SmackDown, but it's still a WWE main roster show. They're all the same, apples to apples. But this has to be completely different. And yes, adding in like the BTE stuff would probably be the way to go because we, we have to stop this nonsense of, you know, Meltzer says it all the time. Oh, if you watch PTE, you'd get it. It's like, look, Dave, you shouldn't have to tell people to go to YouTube to get something. Especially when they don't promote it on yeah. Dynamite, on Dynamite. If they said, hey, last week on BTE, this and this and this happened. And then you're as a viewer, you say, oh, I have to watch that. They don't even do that. No, like that's, and that's the thing that one of the things that bugs me about David Meltzer. His thing is, well, if you watch BTE, you know, it's like, look, Dave, these people aren't TNT fans aren't watching T BTE. All right. Like, stop it. So what you do is you take that. And yeah, you do because it's going to be an hour long show. You do two matches per show, um, which I think that's what dark is right now, isn't it? Two or three, something like yeah, that. I, I, I I'll be watched. honest. I'll be honest. I haven't I watched, watched Dark yeah. since like the second week in October, man. But it's too much. Um, it's just too much. I don't have time. Yeah, you do two matches and the rest, be, you know, BTE segments, the stuff like that. Just kind of push some storylines. And then, and then when you're on Dynamite, you can refer to, hey, on whatever the show name this is, yeah. uh, this happened, and now we're having a match because of it. You but know, the, like the big thing is though, out of all of this second show and everything, this is why every Thursday. Shut up about the ratings. Shut up. Obviously, like, people, I get it. They clamored for this war. But the thing is, that doesn't exist in 2020. TNT told Dynamite, look, man, if you perform at even this level, we're cool with you. And this extension after, what, three months, four months, whatever we are, they were like, oh, man, we're super cool with you. Yet we still have people going, 974, oh, man, that's... It. And by the way, do you, and do you know how many people they don't they don't really talk about this, but do you know how many people like only watch NXT for for a long oh, yeah. time? Not not WWE main roster, not AEW, and because they only watch NXT, and a lot of these people have the WWE network, yeah. and WWE replays NXT the day the next day on WWE network. A lot of people are watching NXT and AEW also, especially in other countries and. And DVR plus DVR numbers and all that across yeah. the for both shows. But there's a lot of people watching NXT on a streaming service where we don't have ratings for it. So NXT is doing exactly what it was supposed to do in its time slot. Two things. One, do enough viewers that USA wants to keep it and can give WWE more money for the show. So WWE's profits increase. That's good. They want to make NXT profitable. It had not been profitable. It is you know now making... 
it is now in the it's on the verge from what I understand performance center included of being close to profitable. That's number one. Number two, they wanted it to exist to even if it's 200,000 people, whatever number it is, take a bite out of those live AEW numbers. It's working to do that. Maybe it's not as sizable as they thought, but that's succeeding. They're getting, they have a contract with USA Network for the shows and it's still available on WWE Network. It's a win for them. It's a win for AEW. You, you know, you bring up an interesting point. You just jogged my memory right now. I think it was last week WWE had that cut. You know what was interesting about all this? I think it was Barrios last week on the conference call who sort of alluded to the notion that we didn't want to take this off WWE Network. They kind of made us. Like they didn't want to. It was either him or Michelle that said, like they kind of almost flat out came out and said, we didn't want to take NXT off well, the network We thought because we're trying to build it. We didn't want to do that. But well, like our hand was forced. I will say, though, that e- dating back to conversations, even an interview on this podcast a couple of years ago, when I, I think I asked Paul, hey, is there a future for them on TV? They always said it was being looked at and yeah. it was always a consideration. Did it get rushed because of AEW? Yeah, probably. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, maybe it was maybe it was supposed to start in 2020 as an hour. But the fact that it started in October as two hours live is totally different. You know, yeah. Um, so I, I do think there's something to that. At the same time, we have to say, and I don't want to gloss over AEW because we're going to talk about it in a second. NXT has been fantastic since going two hours live. I, I told BC we had actually a long argument about it when it was first when we, we proposed the idea of it happening. It wasn't announced. This was like six months before that, I was like, I am so scared if that ever happens because Vince will want his hands on it for you know ratings purposes. They'll start infusing main roster talent to it, just like they did when they had to try to save ECW when they brought it back and it was you know hemorrhaging and it was terrible. Um, I was really scared, and, and NXT has remained completely true to form. But we're going to talk about that in a moment. I want to go back to AEW, finish up here, Jack. Um, long story short, the Bash in the Beach edition of Dynamite, in my opinion is the best uh, best episode of Dynamite that has existed in the four months, basically, that the show has been live. Uh, I was entertained from start to finish. Yes, there were a lot of things I didn't like, as I mentioned with Raw. Just because there's 30 minutes or 15 minutes or three segments that you don't like, it doesn't take the rest of the show and make it crap. Mm-hmm. Um, we had that incredible tag team you know, match opening the show, the Pac and uh, Darby Allen. Main event was awesome. I didn't love necessarily the Moxley Sammy Guevara match. I actually think Moxley is kind of waning on me in terms of I don't really like him in ring. I like everything else about him, but I, in ring I don't really care for him. Um, Sammy I think is doing great work and like definitely headed to become a next big star. I love the stuff he does, flirting with the women, and yep. he, he flirted with the uh, lifeguard. That was by the way that was so gratuitous. I loved it. Every I can't wait to see Sammy on a cruise ship. Every commercial break, they they span they they uh, pan the camera right past her, pause on her, and then keep going. I thought it was great, um, but but I thought the action on the show was fantastic. Um, even DDP coming back, it was so gratuitous and un- un- unnecessary, but it popped me to see him in the ring again. Really, the only stuff I didn't like on the show, Jack, involved the Roses. It was the Nightmare Collective garbage women's tag team match, and Cody's promo with MJF. It just, maybe it's because my expectations are raised for Cody now, where I think every promo needs to be this five-star classic promo, but he seems to, every time he has a mic, think he has to deliver a classic promo and tries to build up this long, meandering story 
of a five, six, seven minute promo when sometimes, dude, it can be a minute and you can walk out of the ring. He like was telling like a bedtime story. It was but it crazy. Still hooks, it still hooks his, his minions in. They love, man, they they were, he's freaking, a god to them. They freaking love he's it. A god. But, but look, the, the Silver Spoon promo and some of the other, not, not Silver Spoon, yeah, Silver Spoon promo and yes, some of the other yeah. ones that he's cut have been fantastic. I told you guys as we started the year, I've turned the corner on Cody. But not every promo needs to be that. This one I thought was terrible. I thought it was um, all right. I thought it was terrible. And the other thing with Cody that bothers me immensely is why is his entrance so much more grand than everyone else? He's the only one to come out of the middle. We his, just went over this a few weeks his, ago. I know, but it's we... but it, it wears on me. It's If it's a pay-per-view. I love it, it. If it's a pay-per-view, I'm fine with it. But every single week on TV for it to be like this, it's really wearing on me. So give me your thoughts overall on what you saw from Dynamite. Obviously, I kind of just went through everything myself. The, other, the only thing I'm going to add, by the way, just before you go, is this. The tag team rules aren't working in AEW. The, the referees can't keep them straight. I don't get it. Make every match a tag team tornado match. That's it. No hey, rules. Jericho has, admit, Jericho has admitted. He's just come right out and admitted. He went backstage and said, you guys got to stop this with the tag yeah, that team was, That was a month ago, and it's gotten marginally like you, better. Yeah, yeah you're like, you got to stop. That's why, hey, I... <laughs> I, I pitched this to BC last week. Let Jericho have more booking power in that company. Go At least ask him and say, instead of this convoluted mess of, you know, f five bookers back there doing their own thing, go to Chris and say, Chris, would you mind, like, booking half the Dynamite shows? Because at this point, the common denominator with everything that's good with AEW is Chris Jericho. I would at least ask and say, Chris, you want to take a stab at this place? And like, tell everyone else, take a step back. What do you, like what Chris do you think? What do you think of my idea though? Just make the tag team, be unique. Make the tag team in division in AEW tornado rules. That'd be fine. Cause like you said, it is different. Um, but then you're going to have a lot of people complaining that it goes against their credo of being, you know, bringing professional wrestling back, but that's their own fault. The, they're so already that, doing that. It. That's their own fault. Like if you're the revival, right? And you and, and in K, let's make believe it's kayfabe. Let's make believe everything's kayfabe, right? And you're trying to determine which company to go to. Yeah. And you're and, and what matters to you is real tag team wrestling, right? You're getting more real tag team wrestling on WWE and especially in NXT. Yeah, NXT. You, yeah. Than you do in AEW. Yeah. If that's, I mean, <clears throat> as far as just traditional tag team wrestling, it's definitely NXT because AEW, like they're they're popping like. <sighs> They're the doing what they're – no matter how much you and I sit here and complain about watching something on television, the thing you cannot knock AEW for even to this point is that they're popping their crowds. And traditionally in wrestling, that is what you're supposed to do. Cody's entrances. We can sit here and say we watch them every week on TV. They're long, drawn out. Why is that? However, when those lights go down in those arenas – People lose their minds. When he comes up, people lose their minds. So I do not blame him for saying, I'm going to keep rolling with this. I don't care if I'm in a match, cutting a promo. I don't care if I'm coming out to eat an apple. That's, I'm keep uh, doing this. that's true, but the AEW crowd is also the easiest crowd to pop of all time. So what's wrong with that? No, no, If nothing, something's easier to do. No, no, no. Nothing is yeah, wrong with it. Yeah, nothing, so I, I, mean, I, I keep doing it. Yeah. No, but uh, real quick so we can move off AEW here. Cody promo didn't hate it, um, but... No, like you said, we're, we might get to a point where Cody's going to keep trying too hard in in situations where he shouldn't have to try hard, and it's going to become a problem. Um, but no, didn't hate the, the the whole 
MJF promo. Um, opening tag match real quick, just but the last point I want to make on AEW. I am starting to become a little endeared to Hangman and Kenny as a tag team. I think they're fantastic together. I, it's worried. Like, they're just a fantastic tag team. That combination, Buckshot, Larry, and V-Trigger to the back was, I thought that was a real cool spot. That was a real cool finishing spot. It was. They're a good team. I don't want either of them in a tag team. Uh, no, see, that's where that's where you draw the problem. But also, this also said, look, in 2020, ladies, if we need anything, give us a mid-card title, please. That's, that's also true. I agree. Any, anything else stand out? The matches were just really good and good show. Uh, it, was a re- it, it was one of the better episodes of Dynamite. A cool theme, the whole Bash at the Beach theme. I like the way AEW does things, and I'm excited to see tomorrow what they do on a cruise ship. Yeah, I am curious to see how that is going to transpire, what NXT is going to do to counter it. I thought NXT, by kind of punting the first week, gave AEW a huge leg up in 2020, quote-unquote. we don't talk but, about, yeah. But, but, yeah. NXT, but NXT has had some damn good episodes, and this past week... Um, I don't think it was one of their best by any means. AEW, for me, in terms of critically, clearly won the week. But the matches in NXT were other-freaking-worldly. Both tag team matches were awesome. They had the Fatal 4-Way with Swerve winning a number one contendership. Um, was it a Fatal 4 I don't even remember if it was a Fatal 4-Way. Or, no, if it was Swerve Leo Rush. I don't even remember. Whatever. It was It was fantastic. Um, oh, no, it was a Triple Threat. with Tyler Yeah, Triple Threat. Swerve Leo and, the threat? and, and Breeze. Probably. Yes, yes. Um, that triple threat was fantastic. Both tag matches were really good. But the match of the freaking night was that battle royal main event, the women's battle royal, to crown a number one contender uh, for the NXT Women's Championship. That, Jack, was one of the best booked battle royals yeah. on yeah. WWE TV I can ever remember. It was just entertaining from start to finish. I would say six women uh, on their own got legitimate chances to shine. You had the debut or the return, or whatever you want to call it, of Mercedes Martinez. That was really cool. Shayna Baszler being in the match, if it was only for for her to work against Mercedes and for her to eventually get eliminated, cool. I don't really want Shayna back in NXT, so I'm not sure sure where they're going with that. But to get Casey's return back, Mighty Casey, that was awesome. And then for Bianca Belair to eventually go over and win, she was totally the right person to win a Women's Battle Royal because you want the strength, you want the athleticism, you want – someone who has those characteristics to be the person that comes out on top. I just thought it was expert booking. You know, I do have to, yes, for, you know, one of the toughest things to do in wrestling, and I've heard so many people talk about it on shoot interviews and stuff, is book a, a book a good battle royal slash Royal Rumble match. It's so tough. But wh- whomever did that on Wednesday night, bang up job. You get yeah. an A+. Plus. That was, that's about as good as you can do. I, I do have to admit, I take a 180 on my original Shayna stand. Like, I, I know, I said on this show, I said the lasting image we should have of Shayna is Rhea pinning her for that title. When she came out, I was pissed, man. I yeah. was. I was like, why? But then we get the Shimmer callback. She has to, she has the spot with uh, Mercedes. I said, all right, that's pretty cool. And she gets eliminated by Shotzi. And I said. That's right. Yeah. So this, I, I said. And I'm 99% convinced of this. I understand anything. That was Shayna's last thank you to NXT. Yeah. That was her, like, let me have my spot with Mercedes. I'm glad she finally got a full-time job. AEW, you are a special kind of stupid. 
for having that woman work a pay-per-view for you and not giving her a con. You are well, dumb. So is WWE. She was in too many. Everyone is dumb. It, it, like uh, there's nothing that has surprised me more than than Mercedes Martinez working two May Young classics. The first one was good. The second one, she was great. And not WWE not saying to her, we need you to be a wrestler. We need you to be a trainer. We have to have you in our, in our, in our organization. I don't get it. Then for, then for AEW to have her, and I'm like, oh my God, AEW is going to get Mercedes. This is a great move for their women's division. And they don't sign her. I don't know what the hell we is got, going on. We got Brandy Rhodes out there every week. And then you don't sign Mercedes Martinez. It's it, absolutely incredible. So I love that. Shotzi Blackheart, that was the person I was Yeah, mad. that was Shane's so, sort of thing. Yeah, so, so we saw we saw a deb- debut for her. We saw two returns. Um, it worked out. I think the only person that kind of got shortchanged was Candice LeRae a little bit. But I thought her elimination was cool. They're, they're into they're the good. post. Ah, uh, Candice. Candice, I'm not worried about whatsoever because you cannot convince me because every time I see the picture, when they had that that uh, celebration for Rhea after she beat Shayna, there's a reason that Candice LeRae was the only one out there standing on the apron with the people. They're going to call back to that. There's yeah. a reason Candice was the only one out there. I do so think, I'm not worried about yeah. it. No, I, I do think we'll see a Candice-Tony Storm feud and maybe uh, – not Tony Storm, uh, a Candice-Rhea Ripley feud. And maybe there is a way that as champion Rhea can eventually turn heel – uh, yeah. And then the faces can get a chance at her. Very easy for her to turn heel, obviously. Yeah. She's such a, a an absolute beast in a powerhouse that you basically just have her overwhelm a couple baby faces and the crowd turns on her. It'll be good. Uh, but yeah, but good. And the booking of Bianca, I'm okay with it. Uh, she's not going to win. So I think that we also have our last run of Bianca Belair in NXT coming up. Well, that, that's the issue, too. I liked her winning the Battle Royal. But when you fast forward to NXT Portland, which is presumably where this match is going to take place, if not on an AEW TV show before then, you say, okay, Bianca Belair is in another title match. Oh, but it's the person who was just crowned champion in this momentous event to end NXT, the final NXT of, 2020, uh, of 2019. Yeah. And she's not going to beat her, so she's going to lose again. So that's two failures in major women's title matches for Bianca Belair. And it's kind of like, yeah, I don't love that i don't like the event i don't like the eventuality of it i did like it in the moment but i think this does go to speak jack that the one thing i have noticed from nxt and i said aew won the critical battle this week last week i kind of mean it but it's also the fact that it was just such a good aew show compared to what it normally is it just it surprised me as someone who's not a massive aew fan nxt from top to bottom i said i think i said on twitter no segment was worse than a B. No match was worse than a B plus. It was just a top to bottom, really exciting, good show. But what I noticed from NXT Jack is they are struggling a little bit to simultaneously build Worlds Collide, which is NXT UK versus NXT, and NXT Takeover Portland, which is going to be a separate event in February. So and, weird. And it's really strange that they're doing it this way. I don't understand the Worlds Collide idea. Um NXT UK is not a big enough brand, despite having a, some good people, that it necessitates something like this, especially so close to Survivor Series. If you wanted to do NXT versus NXT UK as the takeover before Survivor Series, which is Raw and SmackDown, then all four brands are involved on a two-day span. That makes sense to me. To just do it this month for the Royal Rumble 
is weird. It also tells me maybe our NXT participants in the Royal Rumble are going to be few and far between, if not zero, which why would you then do that when you had half of the survivor or one third of the survivor series card be filled with NXT people. These things don't um, make sense to me. They don't compute. And I don't really love that, but we do have this NXT world's collide card, which we're going to preview briefly before we get to the Royal rumble, Jack. And it's five matches. If we're being honest, it has the potential to be an incredible freaking show. There's no doubt about it from a match quality standpoint. This is a takeover level card, right? Um, we start off with that cruiserweight championship, Angel Garza defending against Isaiah Swerve Scott. He got the number one contendership, quote unquote, from that match. I mentioned the triple threat and two NXT UK competitors that have been decided from tape TV, but I haven't looked. I know, haven't either. We don't do spoilers on this show anyway. Uh, and I think they're going to air that show this week or, you know, very soon. Um, so you should find out very soon, but it's going to be this fatal four way match. End of the day, I don't see why they would take the title off Garza after just giving it to him. Do you disagree with that? I, I don't, but, 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 real quick. Like, a show of this magnitude that you're pushing, that maybe it seems like you want to do every year, that's it, it, what it comes across, you need some kind of shock value, but there's only two title matches, and they're not taking, they're not putting the NXT women's title on Tony. So, I could see... Angel losing this if to anyone, uh, Isaiah, because Before, then you could just yeah. carry it over to NXT TV. I, I would I would agree, but I feel like Leo Rush has, even though there's no rematch clauses anymore, I feel like Leo Rush is bound for a rematch at TakeOver Portland. Yeah. And if you're going to do that, unless you're going to do a triple threat with all three of them, which would be, I don't even know what that would be. That would be like <laughs> a <laughs> potential 10-star match uh, with those guys, but... Unless you're going to do that, I think you just have to keep the title on him. What you cannot do is have an NXT UK guy win it. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Speaking, of the, speaking of the women's matches, since you mentioned it, mentioned it, Rhea Ripley is defending against Tony Storm, which is obviously a callback to their prior NXT UK feud. They are great in the ring together. It's going to be a great match. But as you said, there's not really a good reason for it to be happening. And I don't really see any way in which Ripley loses the title. No, I think that no, no, no. You, you miss. I, I said I don't see Tony winning. I didn't say no. There's a good reason for that. I like. I actually like the reasoning for this match. I mean, it's it's plain and simple. Uh, Tony ended Rhea's NXT, inaugural NXT UK Women's Title reign. This is a hump. This is a demon that Rhea has to exercise. She has to get over this Tony Storm hump. And I like this layer that's going to be added to Rhea's character by getting one over on the woman who ended her. NXT UK women's title reign. Yeah, I, I didn't mean to. I want to correct because you did correct me properly. I didn't mean to say there's no reason for the match. It's just the build has been. But hey, same, we're having this match. Well, yeah. yeah. At the same time, Adam, to your point, too, because you're right. You're right. Again, it's very strange that she has this defense and then Portland. Come, I, I, we assume Portland against Bianca. It's just, it's just very it's very weird for a top title to be that thrown together. Yeah, I, I, that's that's the strange part for me is because they're trying to build these simultaneously. I, I felt it's a little strange. Uh, now, they also kind of threw this together out of absolutely nowhere, Jack, but I don't care. I'm going to give them a pass because DIY against Mustache Mountain may be the NXT match of the year. Yeah, uh, th this is I'll, I'll throw to the what I think is the match, of the, what's going to be the match of the night next, but. 
DIY at Mustache Mountain. This is the definition of a dream match in 2020. If you could have any sort of dream match, it's this. And it's going to be a fantastic match. Any Anytime these four are in the ring, it's awesome. And when you put them in the ring together, how can you, what could, how can you ask for anything more in a tag match? The, the only thing I would probably say, and I don't mean to hate on him. He's an older dude, obviously. But if it was, you know, Pete Dunne instead of Trent Seven, probably would be a little. That, that's how you could make it a little bit better. Those four, uh, but disagree but because Trent at his age is very good. We saw this when they were NXT Tag Team Champions. He's very, very good at playing that veteran that has to rely on Tyler. Remember how good though, because he was yeah, playing up the, he, yeah. like it, it works in that sense. Oh, the, the, the undisputed era feud. Those two matches were absolutely incredible. I'm, I'm just saying, Pete. I'm just saying, Pete Dunne is so freaking good. And we saw him in that tag team with Matt Riddle, and I, you know, I know they're going to pay that off, um, certainly at, at Takeover Portland. But like the Broser weights, they were freaking great <laughs> right, together. That was, that was awesome. That was awesome. But no, win the whole really they have I, I am re- I am really excited about this match, though, for sure. I'm excited about this match, but what I'm even more excited about: Finn Balor versus Ilya Dragunov. Here's a match right here. For me, it's a. I mean. I, I, I said it uh, in our story that we have up on CBSSports.com about Worlds Collide. Here's the veteran uh, United Kingdom star in Finn Balor, generational talent, against Ilya, who a lot of people might not be familiar with. But when he signed his WWE contract, people went, holy crap, WWE locked down Ilya Drugganoff. They put him on NXT UK. This guy is a future single star on the main roster, Ilya. The guy is talented. He's charismatic. Him against Finn, for me personally, is a dream match. This is this is probably, for my money, going to steal the show. It certainly has the possibility. And we've seen what Balor matches can be in NXT UK. <laughs> we saw the match against um, Devlin De- at, at a takeover. And we also saw Dragunov against Cesaro. So we know what he can do in a big spot. Um, these two together, you're right. I mean, I think the DIY match may resonate a little bit more with me. Maybe. I don't know. But this Balor-Dragunov match is going to be a barn burner. This card, despite kind of the way we led into this, kind of saying, eh, like, why does it even exist type of situation? Now you start to... (laughs) Well, no, the truth is, it's an NXT takeover. It may be called Worlds Collide, but it is a five-match barn burner of a card, and there's probably no better example of that than the main event. When you have Undisputed Era, four-on-four, eight-man tag team match against Imperium. An eight-man tag does not sound like a main event for a takeover. But if there are eight dudes, and if there is one company or one brand where you would trust that it's going to bring the freaking house down, it is NXT, it is the four dudes in Undisputed Era, and the four dudes in Imperium. I am so excited for this match simply because of the concept of Walter slapping Adam Cole and him pulling the Keith Lee spot of like flying into the 18th row. I want to see, like I want to see him slap him off the top rope and him jump 18 rows into the crowd. That would be incredible. But, but all eight dudes in this match are awesome wrestlers. Um, I don't know how they're going to book it other than I'm going to assume Imperium is going to win just because I don't know. I mean, I guess you could book it so that a non Walter guy takes the fall for Imperium and undisputed era goes over. But I could see Walter like hitting that splash on Kyle O'Reilly and Imperium getting the win and NXT UK getting getting a little bit of a boost. Either way, I'm excited for the match. 
I don't have a lot of analysis because it's an eight-man tag, and I don't know what the hell they're going to do like to, to make it incredible, but it's going to be a spot fest, and top to bottom, I'm excited. Yeah, I mean, what? I, come on. Like you said, these eight, that's, that's all you had to say. These eight guys, all eight of these guys are some of the best talents this company, company has right now, and you're putting them in a, in a tag match on a main event. Um, You're right, though. It, it's, it's tough to pick a winner. It really is because, like you said, it's you're you're right. It's probably going to have to go the way of Adam Cole pinning like Alexander Wolf or Walter pinning a Kyle O'Reilly. It, it, but this is fifty fifty as far as picking a winner. You can go either way, and it's yeah. okay with that. If you want to give Walter and Imperium and and the NXT UK brand as a whole a bit more of a rub, you give it to Imperium. Um, if you're just looking to continue this role that Undisputed Arizona, you give them the win. Yeah, it's the the thing. The tough thing with Undisputed Era is like, how is that going to end, right? And yeah, there's Champa. Yeah, there's Gargano. Balor's lurking there. We don't really know what's going to be happening with him. Um, I guess Balor Gargano is the match they're going to have a takeover Portland. But I'm saying WrestleMania weekend. You know, NXT takeover Tampa. Or you'd have to think. You'd have to think Champa gets the retribution for missing last year. Possibly ha- having the main event take. I I, I honestly think I think that's where we're going. We're going there, Champa Cole look, and Champa. There's also a possibility they could go a fatal four-way NXT championship match. Cole loses the title, doesn't take the loss, or even if he does, it's in a fatal four-way situation, and you get all four of those guys in a monster match. But let's not forget, we have Keith Lee. We have Matt Riddle. Mm -hmm. I'm really curious to see what NXT is going to be doing over the next few months. But it kind of starts here with seeing what happens in this match, and does it even matter for the Undisputed Era for Adam Cole storyline going forward to Portland into, into Tampa? There is enough time because you, you said you said it right there. There is enough time between now and April for the wheels to start coming off, starting with maybe losing this match. Right. Maybe a little miscommunication. Ke- then Keith Lee takes the title off of Roddy. Right. Then somewhere uh, Red Dragon loses the tag team titles. And what you do is going into WrestleMania, Adam is the only one standing with the NXT championship. And then take it off him. And then uh, honestly, like thinking way far ahead, the night after WrestleMania on Raw, Raw closes with the debut of the Undisputed Era. Which would be absolutely incredible, especially if they debuted maybe even as faces to combat the Rollins faction. Now you have have them debut. Yeah, and it's really cool. So there's a lot of really cool things uh, that they can do there. Moving in, Jack, to the Royal Rumble. Previewing the 2020 WWE Royal Rumble, the first pay-per-view of the year, the first major pay-per-view of the year as well. Um, You know, going into this show, there are, I'm going to do a count live on the air here, one, two, three, four, five. There are only seven matches announced for the Royal Rumble. We are expecting at least an eighth based on some uh, promotion that was done after Raw went off the air. On Monday night, we're going to get to the two Royal Rumble matches last for obvious reasons. I want to run through the rest of the card relatively quickly. Prediction for uh, each match, short little bit on you know who we think will win, how it should be booked, and why. Uh, and we're going to start with Shorty G versus Sheamus. Now, if you told me one year ago that Chad Gable would have a match with Sheamus at the Royal Rumble, I would never have freaking believed you yet. That is what's happening here. Do I expect it to be a kickoff show match eventually? I do. If it doesn't, that's going to be such a nice surprise. I don't even know where they would put it on the card. But certainly with Gable and his incredible ability, Sheamus is a good wrestler as well. He's not 
one of the greats in WWE right now, and he's just coming back, but he is in the best shape of his life. The storyline's good. It's a little childish. Um, The Shorty G character, I had hopes that they were pushing him, and in many ways they are. The fact that he's constantly on TV, that he's won matches, and that people are cheering for him is a positive, but none of it is to the level where we want Chad Gable featured, which is as a very serious top-caliber wrestler, the way guys like Buddy Murphy and Aleister Black are on Raw. So this match is going to happen. It's Sheamus's return match. Jack, there is no way Gable beat Sheamus. No. I mean, maybe he rolls him up. Maybe. I see no way it happens. No, no. Sheamus gets the win here. Chad Gable keeps chasing. I honestly don't think we need to say anything more on that. Now, on the heels of last night's show and what we saw and what we talked about earlier, uh, the backstage ex- exclusive interview, Humberto Carrillo challenged Andrade to a United States Championship match at the Royal Rumble. As far as we know right now during recording, not official, but he laid down the challenge. We know we all know what happened, so we're going to assume that this is going to be part of the card on Sunday. Humberto Carrillo versus Andrade, United States Championship. Um, I think Andrade comes out. He's still the United States Champion, and we continue this chase a little longer, for better or worse. Um, what do you think? Well, these guys aren't in the Rumble, <clears throat> and we'll get to it, but they have announced between 22 and 24 names for the Rumble right now. So it's we're basically at a situation where it's like, well, who's left not to be announced, right? Uh, neither of these guys are in it. I would have much rather, much rather, both of them be in the Royal Rumble and not had this match. And granted, them being in this match does not exclude them for the, from the Rumble, as we will see with Roman Reigns and King Corbin, the next match we're going to talk about. Uh, but this just feels rushed to me. I have no issue with them telling certain storylines only on television. You have to have reasons to tune into Raw and SmackDown. They're doing it with Bobby Lashley Rusev. That has been almost exclusively a um, a, t- a TV storyline with the exception of the Blood Money and the Sand match or, or whatever the hell happened. Um, so for me, Andrade has to retain. Zelina helps him. Typical old, old hat story. Continue this feud. Maybe give us a real built-up match at Elimination Chamber or have Andrade lose the title at some point and have these guys both in the Elimination Chamber. Either way, I don't see any way that there is uh, a new champion here. No, no, right. I, no I agree. We, Andrade, we're on the same page. So moving on, uh, Roman Reigns against King Corbin in a Falls Count Anywhere match now. As mentioned, both of them will be in the Royal Rumble, so they're both doing double duty. Normally, Jack... I would tell you that this Reigns-Corbin feud um, has gone on long enough. In fact, I don't even know why I said normally. The Roman Reigns-King Corbin feud has gone on long enough. This normally would be the blow-off match with Reigns finally beating Corbin in a false count anywhere, getting over on him, getting huge pop, and moving on. I don't know that that's going to happen. I have two minds about this, and I think it's very obvious the way it's going to go down. Either. King Corbin beats Roman Reigns in this match, similar to the way Seth Rollins lost to Randy Orton ahead of the Royal Rumble that year. No, no, no. Sorry, sorry. 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 Uh, No, no, no. Similar similar to the way Rollins lost to Orton as Money in the Bank champion ahead of the WrestleMania main event where he cashed it in uh, and then won. So, So either Reigns loses and then wins the Royal Rumble. Becky Lynch last year. Just like that, exactly. Just like Becky Lynch a year ago, loses the match, wins the Royal Rumble, or Reigns wins this match, and then Corbin eliminates him from the Royal Rumble, 
which would then continue their storyline long enough that Reigns doesn't yet have to announce who he's facing between Fiend and Brock, elongating that storyline and, and curious what Re- what Reigns is going to do. Um, sorry, sorry. L- let me. I have to back up here because I just got very convoluted in my explanation. Uh, I gave you. I gave you uh, Corbin beating him and Reigns winning. That's one storyline. The other of Reigns winning and then Corbin eliminating him would mean he does not win the Royal Rumble. Of course. I'm sorry. That would continue their feud. It would probably be the worst case scenario of the two. I'm sorry. I, I, t- I tell you WWE's booking is convoluted. Silver King just gave you a very convoluted explanation there. I think that's the first time I've ever done that. But those are the two options I see, Jack. Uh, I think the former is far more likely than the latter. Uh, you know, it's funny. You took the words right out of my mouth because I was go. My point was going to be my biggest fear is your first point. Is that be- that's that's something they go to a lot. Reigns loses that falls count anywhere match, and because because we know, like, we'll get to this more in a bit when we talk about the actual match itself. Right now, if you had to pick a consensus favorite to win the Rumble, it's Roman. So that WWE has they have it etched in your brain that. He's going to lose the match to Corbin because it's a false count anywhere match. So it's easy. It's an easy out right. for Corbin to get the win by some sort of nefarious means. And then Reigns at the end of the night wins the Royal Rumble. So then you could have Corbin come out and say, oh, well, what the hell, man? Like, I beat. Come on. This ain't fair. I, That's beat, my I, beat, title you, I beat you twice. I should be challenged. <laughs> so then at, at yeah. Elimination Chamber or this rumored Saudi Arabia show, Corbin says, put your WrestleMania spot up for grabs. And Roman does, and then Roman beats him, which it, it, in theory is okay, but it's not okay because they've dragged this out too long. Yeah. From a logic standpoint, it makes sense, but they've dragged this out too long the, where I don't want to see it. The thing that works with this is that Corbin is so hated. He's such a good heel. And again, people, some people call it go away heat. Others no, he's won't. good. I, I think he's a great heel um, that they have made this work where Roman is getting cheered more and more and more every time he touches Corbin, let alone beats him or wins a match or anything like that. So I'm a huge fan of the concept of the feud, but you are correct. It is going on too long. I could definitely see a situation where that is how they continue it, where Corbin beats Reigns, Reigns wins the Rumble, but they have a match at Blood Money in the Sand or Elimination Chamber or whatever with that opportunity on the line, or at least to make it a triple threat match or something like that. And um, that could one of, one of the one quick point we have to make on this, which ties into everything we just said, is that if I'm a writer slash booker for WWE, I'm in a tough spot too. Because if we have a plan for Roman to win the Royal Rumble, we're already thinking he might get booed out of the building with this pe- these people. We cannot have this guy win two matches in one night or they're really going to boo. Well, and it's... <clears throat> I, honestly, I think fans would accept it because I don't think they're of the mindset anymore where it's the, oh, LOL, where it's the LOL Cena booking. But what you are correct about is they could undo all of the positive momentum yeah, they have with it's Roman tough. if they did do that. I don't think it would immediately hurt him, but it would be the start of it. It would be the exact same, not exact same, but very similar to like Reigns eliminating Brian or, or Brian coming into that Royal Rumble match, getting eliminated, and then Reigns yeah. going on to win when everyone wanted Daniel Bryan to win. So I think the expectation this time is that Roman Reigns will win the Royal Rumble, and based on reaction, fans are okay with that. If they were ever going to pull that lever, they probably should do it. But we're going to finish talking about Reigns in a little bit. We both think Corbin's going to win this match. 
and that that is the direction they're going to go. But we do see the other side of it. SmackDown Women's Championship, Bailey against Lacey Evans. So this is what I'm going to say. I, I don't care about this match at all. I don't like Lacey Evans as a face. I think she's horrible as a face. I think her heel work was at least good at generating booze, even though I don't like her in the ring whatsoever. But I would be lying if I didn't say that the story for this match has been a good one. Bailey and Sasha kind of attacking, at least verbally, and mocking her child. Lacey, them trying to turn her into this, you know, uh, veteran. I mean, she is this, but a veteran, mother, um, protective, you know, mother lion or whatever they call that um, type of character. It's working. The beatdowns backstage, the aggression, all of that is really nice and different for a women's storyline on the main roster. I really enjoy that. It's simply that Bailey to me has been, despite being having a nice long title reign, which credit to them for that, I don't really believe in her much as champion. Lacey Evans as challenger, I don't want her to win because I don't like her. So this is a situation where I kind of wish Sasha had won that title all those months ago, and they built to a match like this at WrestleMania and had Banks have a six-month title run and drop the title at Mania as opposed to, as a heel, by the way, as opposed to Lacey potentially winning this match or having to fight back and forth against Bailey and Sasha for the next couple of months. I just, they, 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 I have not bought into this match the way I should for liking the story. Uh, you know what? Because, but like we've we've already been through it. Like we disagree. I love Lacey Evans as a babyface. I think she's. I think it's coming along nicely, and I, I think she's only going to get better at it. What What hurts me when thinking about this match is Bailey versus Sasha is the match. I just can't figure out when. I can't figure out if it's WrestleMania, or I can't figure out if on the five year anniversary. It's at SummerSlam weekend. Right. And maybe it is. Maybe, that's, maybe that's what they're building, but having but SummerSlam Sa- isn't in Brooklyn. See, see like oh, that's where not. my, my mind not. is just because it's fi- It'd be the five year anniversary of the match that some call the greatest women's match of all time, but it's not in Brooklyn, but it is SummerSlam weekend. But WrestleMania would be. I don't my, know. My biggest issue in general is I think on Raw, they're doing a very good job keeping. Becky and Charlotte apart in terms yes. of the in terms of the title picture. Even when they were a tag team, Charlotte was like, "Hey, I want your title eventually, but we're going to go deal with the Kabuki yeah. Warriors right now." They've done a very good job keeping two very strong top tier women on that brand and not being together. Yeah. But I I really really detest that they brought Sasha Banks back and did such a great job in that feud with Becky Lynch. We both know she should have won and she should have taken the title off Becky. But even not having her win. She put on a couple great matches. The storyline was great. Her character was great. She went to SmackDown and immediately became either a sidekick or a 50-50 partnership again with Bailey, where Bailey's the champion, and when their music hits for a tag team match, Bailey's hits second, so you never get Sasha's full theme and entrance. And it makes Sasha Banks look like number four. Might be the plan, though, Adam. On the four horsemen, but Jack, it's been three freaking years, Yeah, but might be the but 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 it makes her look like number four on the four horsewomen, where she should at worst be three and probably be two or one because she is legitimately that good. Now now Lynch is having the moment of her career right now, so she on top is fine. But 
it is very strange for them to be doing this where they're buddy-buddy again. They were buddy-buddy faces. They started teasing a breakup. They never actually broke up. Banks got injured, then came back. Now they're buddy-buddy as heels. Are they potentially going to tease that breakup now and have Banks be a face and have this match at WrestleMania? Totally possible. Maybe even likely. But it just seems like a complete and total consistent waste of Sasha Banks where she is the person in this three-person feud that I care about and is the only one not in the match. This is it, It's tough. It really is. Um, because, it, like, what you said is correct. But if the Sasha face turn features everything you just said, like, you want to talk about the... You thought the fans were behind her before. If she goes out there and starts spitting everything you just did, she's going to be monstrous when she's going after her former best friend and heel heel Bailey. That said, I think Lacey Evans wins the title. I, I think I, yeah. I think she wins the title on Sunday because I think that they are invested in this babyface character, whether you know anyone likes it or not, not just you, whether anyone likes it or not. And I think that they are of the belief that we have to strap this woman up and that'll help her. Because Bailey's title reign hasn't really Yeah. Meh. I, I get the feeling I, as well that we're going to say see Lacey Evans yeah. win the title, and it will be the title win, the only title win on the entire show. Yeah. It just it really seems like they're setting it up. The fans, as much as I don't like her as a face, the fans are cheering for her as a face. They like the storyline with her child. If the kids are at ringside, which she should be, maybe she slaps Bailey. Bailey rolls into the ring. Hey, her kid gets is the, good. Gets the women's right. Her, her kid, her kid is better. Kid than, is great. Her, her kid is better on the mic, or or with, at least with her facial expressions, than like half the women on the yeah, roster right now. So I know credits credits to the kid. But um, Brian doesn't Brian doesn't like me calling children kids. I, I, it's very it's a strange thing. Really? I, he wants to say he wants you to say son or daughter. He doesn't like the kid. But uh, it's, that's an aside. That yeah, right that's now. an aside. It's very strange. Um, I do think Lacey Evans wins. I don't know what that means going forward, but. Again, just because I like it doesn't mean it's not working. It seems to be working with Lacey Evans. We'll stay with the women. I wasn't planning to. I was going to go to the other match, but Raw Women's Championship, Becky Lynch and Asuka. I think it makes total sense for Lynch to overcome that last hurdle. I don't think you give her the title for 10 months and not make it 12 a calendar year and have her take it into WrestleMania and either lose it at Mania or lose it the night after Mania. That, to me, is the storyline. I think... It's going to be a great match. It may steal the show from an in-ring perspective. Asuka and Becky Lynch are incredible together. Uh, we saw one year ago how good that match was with Asuka winning. I don't want to see Becky tap out Asuka, though. They've done a really good job building up the Kabuki Warriors. Um, a loss is fine. She can pin her. She can roll her up. There's a lot of things that can happen. I don't want her to top, tap Asuka, Asuka out with the armbar. There are a lot of A's in that phrase. Right yeah, there. see, we have a big... We have a big disagreement with this match because there's two things I want out of this match. Number one, open the show with it again. Do this. Do everything you did last year. Open the show with it. Don't you think they're going to open the? Sh- didn't they open the show with the women with one of the Royal Rumbles, the men's Royal Rumble? No, last year Oscar, Oscar, and Becky opened the show. Okay. On the, main Men, the men's Royal Rumble yeah. was not. La- it was. It was. It was last. The women were in the middle. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, Asuka and Becky opened the show last. So do that again. Okay. Had like callback, since this is such an amazing callback, what do you do everything the same? And by everything the same, tit for tat. Yeah, because there's no to me, there's no shame in Asuka, even as a tag team champ, losing a raw a world title bout 
by submit. It happens. You know, if she caught Becky last year, Becky caught her this year. I also think this needs to open the show because we'll get to the Women's Royal Rumble shortly. Becky's night is going to take a big turn. You're, yeah, you're right. Uh, that opened the show. Um, the Women's Royal Rumble was the mid-show main event, and yep. then the Men's Royal Rumble was the main event. And then the year, the year before it was because when I was in attendance, it was the first Philly. Yeah. The first women's they did the main event. Yeah, I think I think that may be why I got confused. Um, you know what? I'm I think Becky obviously needs to retain here. I would not hate, and I don't think they'll do it ever, ever. But I wouldn't hate honestly if Becky wins and then Oscar won the Rumble again and, and like is like this annoyance that won't like get past that would be Becky. cool. That 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 like won't let her like yeah you, yeah you beat me but you're gonna have to face me again at WrestleMania. But they would net unfortunately. You know, they're doing way better with Oscar and Kyrie saying way better. I just don't see a scenario where WWE builds the main women's main event of mania with one half of the uh, com- competitors not speaking English. It's it's I hate I don't like that mentality, but I just have a feeling that we would never see that. Plus, I think you and I kind of agree on who's going to win the women's Royal Rumble. We're going to get to that in a minute. First, the WWE championship, the Fiend Bray Wyatt defending against Daniel Bryan. I'm excited for this match, despite Every fiend match, almost every fiend match, being relatively terrible. Not ne- some for storyline reasons, others because they're slow in plotting, and and the fiend as a wrestler is not nearly as good as the fiend the character. I think we're I think we're going to that these two are going to have figured out a way to put on a better match than their last one. I'm very excited to see what they do to keep Daniel Bryan looking extremely strong yet still have The Fiend win in the end because I see no way that we go into WrestleMania without Fiend as WWE champion. It makes too much sense for him to lose the title at Mania to whatever face they end up choosing. Yeah, and, you know, one of the, the underrated parts of this is I like like I like when logic is thrown into, even if it's the smallest bit, like Brian on Friday when he said, look, this guy keeps disappearing when the when, when the heat turns up. So we're going to do a strap match. I'm going to make sure he's not going anywhere. I was like, wow, look at that. Makes sense. Was that was it that hard? But that said, you know, they're going to do some kind of voodoo magic where the lights are going to go out or something. And he's not going to be in that. He's not going to be strapped to Brian anymore. Um, Possibly. Yeah, something um, or, I, can see I that. mean, come on. This is the same guy that, you know, Seth Rollins blew him up. <laughs> Eddie. Well, it's also what's going to be funny. And I did forget it was a strap match. So I'm glad you mentioned that. What's going to be funny, though. Is like when the referee has to strap it to the like. There's always that time before a strap match where the referee has to like literally take the guy's arm it's, it's and wrap not. it around. How do you do that with the fiend? Yeah, that's not <laughs> at all, man. Like this, but I, again, like I, I just love the logic where Brian was like simply, "Hey, he keeps disappearing on me, but that's okay. I'll make sure he does." But the, the sad part is, you know, he's going to disappear. He's going to he's going to find a way to get away from that situation and win the match. But the, the fiend to me is kind of like it's kind of like soda. I'm not a big soda drinker, but on certain occasions, I really like with pizza. I really love a Coca-Cola. Yeah. Uh, there's something about cream soda where when it's available, I ha- you know, and by the way, shout out Dr. Brown's best cream soda ever. <laughs> um, where if, if, I, if I'm somewhere and they have cream soda, it's like, man, I'll just have a cream soda. It's so damn good. I have to have it. But. I always feel terrible after drinking soda because you eat and then the, the soda takes, you know, uh, the, the bubbles, the uh, carbonation takes space and you feel yeah. more full than you thought you would be from just eating the food as opposed to having water or tea or something like that. It's how I always feel about The Fiend. It's 
man, I really want this. It tastes great. Like, it's so cool. But by the time the match is over, it's always like, oh, I thought that was going to be better than it was. And it's, it's, I hope this one delivers because to this point, without, you know, the Blood Money in the Sand match with Rollins, if we're being fair, was pretty good. And it gave us a good result of The Fiend winning. But besides that, the Miz match, the other match with Rollins, um, the first match with Daniel Bryan, they've been like one, two star matches. And I'm not expecting a five star classic, but you give me a three, three and a half star match with with Daniel Bryan and Bray Wyatt. I should be able yeah. to get that somehow. That's but I think. But we we both agree the Fiend retains the universal the the uh, universal championship universal. and heads to WrestleMania now. Adam, if you would please give me about ten minutes, let me read off the participants <laughs> in the women's Royal Rumble match. Are you ready? Go for it. Again, this is going to take me a while, so give me a bit. Ready? Charlotte Flair, Alexa Bliss, Nikki Cross, Sarah Logan. I'm done. Yeah, that's the list. Four women. I- uh, in the women's Royal Rumble announced, which means on the positive end, if we're being let's look, let's look it's positive. Being, yes, yes. On the positive end, there are 26 spots that we don't know who is going to fill, and some of them we can guess. We'll get a Mandy Rose. We'll get a Sonya Deville. Right, Carmella will be there. Naomi will probably return. Fine, you're going to fill most of those out, but there are still some that we don't know. What is very obvious though is the women's Royal Rumble has been a complete afterthought two years ago it was the focus two years ago it was the focus last year it was the crowning moment for becky lynch you know on her way to wrestlemania helping tell this really big story i don't know what their plans are for the royal rumble for the women it seems completely second rate forgotten about they barely talk about it the fact that only four women have announced for it doesn't make it feel special but jack i do think you and i are on the same page i think we both expect Shayna baszler to enter this match win this match, and challenge Becky Lynch at WrestleMania? No. No? Interesting. Rousey. Interesting. Okay. Uh, here, here's a theory that I will throw out, which is plenty. You know, I don't, I, I'm not, you guys know me by now. I don't throw out wild conspiracy theories. Now, if WWE is just, like, lazily building this match, then that's egregious. That's on their own. However, if they are taking a lot of focus off of this match, and sidetracking everyone, so when jo- that Joan Jet music hits, it's even more of a. I, I just it makes too much sense that one year later, two years after her debut, one year later that Rhonda would come looking for Becky. The it, only thing just, it the makes all that, the sense in the world. The only thing that's weird is I fully believed, believe slash believed her reason for taking time off. And she well, could have yeah, yeah. she she could have just taken time off because she's like I did a full year of wrestling and I never expected to do that and you know I'm going to take a break and then I'll come back sporadically. That's totally fine. And it, but but I do believe that they were trying to have a child. So if she's now going to come back, then they're going to say either the last 9 months were unsuccessful <laughs> completely uh cuz you're not going to wrestle if you're pregnant at all, right? Or uh, we're just gonna, it, you know, we didn't do it right away. We're gonna wait a few months. Yeah. We're gonna do, we're gonna do a three month thing in WWE. Uh, she's gonna be at WrestleMania. She would have to lose at WrestleMania, one on one, because if not, then she's champion, and that's even further that they're putting off a pregnancy. So that's kind of the weird thing with Rousey. 
I was kind of thinking it would be a two-year removal and they would come back and continue the feud in 2021. But I think it's a totally legitimate possibility that Rousey's music hits. The other thing I think is possible is that before the match, they bring her out and sit her ringside with Travis Brown, with the Duke and Shafir. Baszler enters the match and maybe Becky, because you can get out of the ring, obviously, without um, being thrown over the top rope. Becky gets thrown out through a middle rope or whatever, confronts Rousey, talks crap. She slaps her. Wait, wait, wait. Why, why, is, why is Becky in this match? Oh, yeah. Becky wouldn't be in the match. Maybe Charlotte. Maybe Charlotte is a good example. Uh, Charlotte gets rolled out of the ring, talks crap to Rousey, throws her back in. Baszler's there waiting for her, tosses her over. So Rousey's there, and she helps Baszler win. That's a storyline. Maybe Becky retains against Baszler. Maybe Baszler beats her, whatever the case. And then a year from now, maybe we get Rousey Baszler at WrestleMania. Maybe we get Rousey winning that, that Royal Rumble in 2021. So I do think there are a lot of machinations we can get with this. Um, I just, I, I happen to think Baszler's more likely than Rousey, but I do like the booking. I'm being honest. I do. Yeah. I mean, final thoughts on the women's match real quick. Cause again, we haven't had much build. There's not a lot to talk about. Um, it, it's a case of should versus will like should win the match. Shayna Baszler. Like she was a survivor series made event winner. She's done with NXT. She has a legit beef with Becky. Should win Shayna, but I, I, I will win. I think it's Ronda Rousey. Absolutely. Now, men's match. Uh, to give WWE some credit here, they have done a d- pretty decent job building this match by announcing competitors. Certainly, we have Brock Lesnar entering at number one. His goal is to eliminate everyone and win the entire thing as WWE champion. Um, but they have announced, Jack, between 22 and 24 competitors. That's a lot ahead of a Royal Rumble. None of them, zero, are from NXT. The two that are TBD that makes me shift the number between 22 and 24, one is R-Truth, who entered the Royal Rumble and then <laughs> decided not to be in the Royal Rumble uh, two weeks ago when he was face-to-face with Brock. He said he would, and then he said, oh, no, actually, never mind, I'm out. I didn't know you were in the match. The other is Kane Velasquez, who said uh, during an interview, I forgot which They took that with, quote out of context. Uh, those headlines. I I, 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 read the I I saw the quote and I saw the interview. I sh- he, it was something along the lines of, I should be, uh, yeah, I should be in there. It's like, ah. It, it, it made it seem like he was going to be in the match. So one of two things. I think I expect him in the match either way. Oh, I do too, yeah. Either way. So uh, so let's say there's 23 people announced because Truth, who the hell knows? Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe Truth even sees Lesnar and then like walks away. They do something funny. I don't know. But my point is, Almost everyone has been announced for this match. There's very few spots left. There's not a lot of competitors, maybe Jeff Hardy notwithstanding, and EC3, which wouldn't pop anyone who was dealing with a concussion, who are not active in WWE and we are waiting with bated breath for them to return, right? So the other spots are either going to be just other wrestlers who haven't been announced. Mysterio, for example. Um, Actually, he has announced, so never mind that. But wrestlers who haven't announced that are on the main roster or potentially NXT guys. But whereas we saw the Royal Rumble, Jack, with one third of Raw, SmackDown and NXT, I kind of thought we would go in that direction a little bit with this Royal Rumble. Instead, we have zero NXT people. And ultimately, I think we might get two, right? I don't know what's going to happen in this Royal Rumble other than I think that WWE tries to accomplish two things. One They tried to either set up a feud for Brock Lesnar or his WrestleMania opponent. And two, Roman Reigns wins the entire thing. There are other people 
who I could say I think will win. I think there's a legitimate shot that Drew McIntyre wins. It, that would be a booking that makes sense. I think there's a legitimate shot that Aleister Black wins, either to challenge The Fiend or Brock Lesnar. I think both would be attractive, unique matchups where you would think he could potentially win. Uh, the Fiend for more spiritual, demonic reasons, Brock Lesnar, because he can match up to him size-wise. Uh, I just think Reigns makes so much sense. It seems completely telegraphed. I don't know what kind of swerve they might have, but as I've said before, just because something is expected does not mean that it's bad. And I do think that 2020 is the year where it makes sense for Roman Reigns to win the Royal Rumble, get a huge pop, and go face the Fiend at WrestleMania. I agree. And before I get to that, though, there is one, you know, the Royal Rumble is also good for setting up angles for WrestleMania at the same time, not just a world title angle, angles alone. There is one I would like to see set up in this match with two men chewing up those open spots. I firmly believe, I, I, I do believe this. One of the WrestleMania matches we are going to get is Velveteen Dream versus John Cena. I would like to see that started in this match. I would like to see John as one of the surprise entrants. That place would go crazy. I'd like to see Velveteen Dream make his main roster debut. Give John the match he wants at WrestleMania in Tampa, Florida. Because that's the match John wants is Velveteen Dream. It's the only guy he's interested in. Dream, we know, is main roster ready. Start it in this match. The pop for John would be insane. The pop for Dream would be insane. Start the feud in this match. I, I know it might sound crazy to some, but I believe that that is a WrestleMania. That's going to be a WrestleMania match. Dream be, versus Cena. That would be that would be freaking incredible. Honestly. I think that's what we're going to get. That's one of the matches, one of the feature matches we're going to get. Uh yeah. Oh, it's you know again. This is and this is the thing about Royal Rumble matches. Every single year, you have your obvious one, which is Roman Reigns, but then you could pick three or four guys who you say, but I wouldn't mind if he won. But oh, it really wouldn't bother me if he got the win. I think it is going to be Roman because I, I can't I can't jump off the bandwagon I've been on for weeks with this. Roman Reigns versus The Fiend is the only thing to do at WrestleMania. It truly is. And the storytelling is there. As much as yeah. people will crap on the match and crap on the theory that Roman's going to, oh man, Roman's going to be the one to end this guy. It's like, well, yeah, because Roman should be the, the one to end this who, guy. Who the, hell just, else? who the hell else besides someone else? Roman or Brock Lesnar is going to end The Fiend? Yeah, There's no it, one it, else. Yeah, I mean, like we've talked about before. Well, I mean, we've talked and Alistair Black. It, that would be a great program to get. But no, in the grand scheme of things, you're going to do it with Roman Reigns, and that's fine. It's fine. Um, but you know, there's always that wild card, though, Adam. And I think we talked about it a few weeks ago. Is that Roman could still face the Fiend without winning this match? Absolutely. He could do the elimination chamber type deal. And yep. get it that way and still give us. And then the winner of this match goes after Brock. But I mean, if we're going down that route, though, we have a problem because like we talked about you, me and BC, then we're looking at Kane Velasquez and we're like, oh, no, 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 yeah, no, no. The, the danger for me is them going <laughs> Brock Lesnar, Kane Velasquez at WrestleMania for the WWE title. And I have every expectation no. it's going to happen. I have every expectation it's going to happen. And I, I hate it. Uh, because uh, they did a terrible job introducing Kane, terrible job introducing Kane, where they literally could have done a great job. They didn't need to have that match. It was completely worthless. They could have had Brock injure his leg like we talked about, which is actually injured and needed surgery. I don't know if he got it or not. Um, 
Maybe Velasquez is the one who eliminates Brock in this match, setting up that match for WrestleMania. I don't know. But ultimately, the Reigns-Fiend storyline is there. There is a reason that WWE has been, especially especially during the Daniel Bryan feud, uh, flashing back to them and the Wyatt family together and, and the Fiend not forgetting people that screwed him over. And the best and longest story that they have told with Bray Wyatt has been the Roman Reigns story uh, and the Shield versus the Wyatt family, anyone but you, Roman. And they have every ability to restart that story as soon as the Royal Rumble is over the following Friday on SmackDown or hell. Even if Roman Reigns wins the Royal Rumble, the Fiend music can hit and he can attack him to end the show. There is a lot of things they can do to make this work. Um, and ultimately, Jack, I just think they have to go in that direction because if yeah. you waste the goodwill that you have with Roman Reigns right now, I don't know that he's ever going to be in a better position to be this loved and this supported by the fans where they kind of want Roman Reigns to be the universal champion after him winning, finally beating Brock for that title. And obviously in real life, his leukemia coming back and him having to deal with that and fight and, and come back. For some people, he was the comeback wrestler of the year. This past year for us, it was The Fiend was the comeback wrestler of the year. And having those two guys meet in April, there's real life story that's awesome for it, and there's kayfabe story that's awesome for it as well. So, and we're aligned there for sure. The the trickiest part in this men's match too that uh, really hit me last night was you, you, when you're looking for guys outside of Roman. There's really only two that would make sense and really, really pop that crowd. But we have a problem if Kevin Owens or Samoa Joe won that Royal Rumble and challenge Brock, that would be perfect. But how do you do that? Right. And they're embroiled embroiled in something else. A lot of the people in this match have other things going on. You have Nakamura and Strowman in an IC feud. Uh, You have Styles in a feud with Orton basically setting up a WrestleMania match. You have Ricochet now in this thing with Lesnar, so they're both in that match. McIntyre is kind of working with everyone. Lashley and Rusev are together. Murphy and Rollins are both in there, and Owens and Joe are both in there. That's a feud happening. So the, the vast majority of people in this, in this match have other feuds already. So you really need to look for people that don't. And that is why I think we come up with McIntyre, Black, Velasquez, potentially, and Reigns as being those main guys that have that opportunity. So the Royal Rumble is going to be interesting. I, if I'm being completely honest, the card is pretty solid, but I'm not as overly excited for this as I even was for Survivor Series or even SummerSlam this past year. And I will be excited for WrestleMania, as I always am. This Royal Rumble, in particular, I just don't feel like they've done a great enough job building it. That doesn't mean it, that doesn't mean it won't be great, though. They, they do have the opportunity, based on the people in matches, uh, based on the stories that they can tell, to deliver a really good show. We will see if they go completely to expectation or if they give us a swerve. But the long-term stories are there. I'm interested to see them make it happen. That is our complete WWE Royal Rumble preview. Obviously, we talked Worlds Collide. We talked WWE, AEW, NXT earlier in the show. Didn't mean for the show to go this long. That was not the intention, but obviously a lot has happened in the last week that we needed to cover. Don't forget, it is five-star review season on the road to WrestleMania. Hit us up, Apple Podcasts, five-star review. Shout out your boy, Silver King. Shout out your boy, Jack. Give us the love. We need it now more than ever. Follow me on Twitter at Silverstein Adam. Follow him, uh, Jay Crosby CBS, and follow us and all of our 
combat sports offerings at state of combat on twitter no sound this week you're not going to hear the full macho man you're not going to hear kenny omega you're just going to hear two words we out <laughs>